Welcome to episode 395 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your club. <laughs> I'm your host, Santa Claus. <laughs> Joining me is my main elf, Russell John the Fisherman. Hey, what's up? Happy holidays. All right, kill the music. <laughs> All right. Let me... Beautiful. We're keeping that in. I'm not doing a take two. Okay. We'll do this take. Hi, Russell. Welcome. Happy holidays. Happy Merry. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy Merry to you, too. Why do, why do the Brits do happy? I don't why know. do they say happy Christmas? What's that about? I, I didn't know they did. What are you talking about? I almost watched that um, Krampus thing you showed me, though. What was that from? Inside number nine? Yeah. That was almost one of my bracket choices for this uh, oh bracket brawl of we the holiday. We have just guarded, stored it. I haven't even brought in the rest of the cast. Brett joining us is <laughs> <laughs> from Atlanta, Georgia. It's Randy Michael Stat. That's me. What's up? Uh, happy Christmas, fellas. Yeah, Randy, correct him. You know, it, what is he talking about? You don't know about Happy Christmas. Do you not know that John Lennon song? Happy Christmas. No, what is that? Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. For the record, I have no idea what song he's talking about. Oh, <laughs> this is Christmas. Oh, my God. They whis- you don't know what I'm talking about. You're holiday roasted Happy right Christmas. now. I don't know what's happening. No, it's just you live under a snot bubble, man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be out there in the world. Like Oksana Valerian of Osachi. False. <laughs> Not out there anywhere. You're never happy with how I bring you into the show. I have no complaints. Most of the time it's either about you being Russian or a woman. But today, <laughs> it was out of the blue. It was good today. Everything's good. I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> Hell yeah. Except for that intro i guess oh like. damn <laughs> what the hey, hell do they have like a traditional russian uh greeting for christmas uh do i they... don't know about christmas there's one for new year's what is it uh snowvum godam it's just happy new year is, i'm sorry what snowvum godam snowvum godam snowvum godam everyone especially all our friends <laughs> So yeah, uh, out there. I think what two years ago you made me watch Inside Number Nine when at you, the Kremlin when you were uh, subscribed to the Brit Box. Uh, uh, you know what? I think I still may be accidentally subscribed to the Brit Box. <laughs> you know, I think the intro or our, um, the show notes when you look up the episode, like what this podcast is about. I think your credit is you're a Brit Box subscriber. That yeah. was like love the BB. Yeah. But yeah, inside number nine, they had that uh the Krampus television show. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was found footage. I loved yeah. it. And I almost I almost pulled that up and I was like, I'm not gonna do a trial because I'll I'll definitely forget. Me yeah. and Oksana just remembered while we were trying to scramble and buy Christmas presents that uh we have a uh, Barnes and Noble membership. I don't like, think you pay for that though. You do. It's twenty five dollars a year, so it's not like oh, well, that's a, you're making a donation. Yeah, pretty. That's, that's how I felt. Do if, if you go there one time, I think it pays for itself. All right, now we're we're hit on several topics here, and we need to circle. We need to circle around here. Circle the wagons. 
One of which is what we're doing here on this Christmas episode, which we never have seasonal episodes, but we decided to have one. And we last week we told we let you, the listener, again, behind the curtain, behind the iron wall of what's happening here at Overlook Mountain, we let you in to figure out what we're going to do for the holiday episode. And as Russell alluded to last week, we left it at some sort of half-assed holiday film tournament. As you can imagine, that idea went absolutely <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> now, in conclusion, a tournament would have been a nice uh, addition to the show had we stretched it out over the course of, say, a month. From tea gives to Christmas, a nice Battle Royale-style or NCAA March Madness, if you will, type of tournament for these various holiday motion pictures. And maybe if, you know, we're still alive for the next year, we may give that to you. But not this year. No, this year we do have something in mind. It's much more simple. We just decided to each watch a Christmas film. Or at least that was the assignment, Randy Stat. Yeah, it was. I, I tried watching one. <laughs> Does that count? Also, to go back to the the last point, I'm actually against the sportification of movies with like brackets and stuff. Not into it. The sportification. Yeah, get like, your sports out of my movies, things? dude. He'll be into it once it's into the Olympics. Like both the all are with soccer. <laughs> He'll come back around and be like, I'm into it now. Oh, you just wait. We got a sports minute. That's why you oh, pulled up that gosh. clip. I got sports minute coming here in a second. Involving your beloved soccer. But so that's what we're doing today. We just want to, uh, you know, we barely talk about the holidays, and then we were trying to schedule things out. And uh, we'll talk about a few more holiday Christmas movies, except for Randy. So, good job. Any movie you watch around Christmas is a Christmas movie. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, and the second thing was, is the other, the first idea was to do a holiday gift exchange. Uh, I could not get any support from anyone. Across. It was either, it was mostly, mostly logistics related. Randy was worried about the shipping, but Randy's the only one who would have to worry about the shipping because the rest of the people live in this house. But Randy, well, I was going to take care of you. And we'll still take care of you. You did say we, on the episode, though, that you would have voted for the bracket anyways. Did I say that? You did. Um, yep. Yeah. I was very excited about the bracket. <laughs> I was very excited. Well, you guys, you know I'm a romantic at heart, okay? You know, I, I, I go along with this, and then I realize I get back down to gravity, and I, I realize the real thing. Yeah, you know, we're, we're working on that. But, so, to circle back on this, um, we're not going to have a gift exchange here, except that some of my gifts did come in today, and so we're going to do one thing on the air. Because okay. <laughs> I got I got I got baby Cliff's first baby Christmas. Okay. When do you want to do that? Oh, right now? Oh, we're doing it right now. On the uh right before that, on the subject of the gift exchange and me being against the uh the tight logistics <laughs> of it. Wanna know <laughs> wanna know what happened to uh me earlier this uh yesterday morning slash Friday night? Please. I wake up uh, Saturday morning and I was going to go drive uh, to go running 
And I noticed something in my driveway as I'm going down it and my mailbox had fallen over and I have to get a new uh, mailbox post put in. (laughs) What happened? I think someone ran into it. (laughs) Was there carnage in front? You know, is it, was it badly, did it look like a wreck? It didn't really. So I'm sort of, I'm wondering if, because I had noticed that the like post was like a little loose a couple months, like a month ago. And so I'm thinking it may have fell into the street and then maybe someone hit it and then put it into the driveway to get it out of the street or the other way around. I'm not sure. All right. I have have a couple of follow-up questions, if if it's okay, if it pleases the court. Uh, How secure was your mailbox to begin with? And what kind of mailbox do we have here? Uh, I don't know. Just a standard black mailbox. Um, And I think the post, it was like a wooden post. And I think it was kind of like deteriorating a little bit. Uh, Because I did notice it was like kind of loose when you would like open the mailbox. So I think maybe the wood just deteriorated and it fell over. Had a little bit of a jiggle. Okay. Yep. What are we think? What are we thinking about uh, contingency plan now? Uh, I have some sort of a handy person coming tomorrow to uh, install a new post because I looked it up, but then I was like, I gotta buy like cement and like all this stuff. Like I probably could have done it, but I was like. Eh. I don't know. I'm just going to uh, pay someone to do it. So they're coming tomorrow morning at like 10 a.m. What is some kind of handyman? What does that mean? Some kind of handy person, as in I don't know if it's a male or female. Oh, my God. I'm not getting <laughs> caught up in the goddamn tenses. I'm talking about the fucking, like a task rabbit or some shit. Yeah. So I went to Home Depot and they have like pro services, but somebody oh, you from- got a Mexican. <laughs> no, from, somebody from Home Depot isn't actually the one that's coming, but they work with like, third-party people that uh, they, you know, can assign work to or see, like, make a posting, and then they'll contact you. Uh, So someone contacted me, and they're coming tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with you and your Amigax coming to your house. Hell yeah. All right. So back to this. Uh, Back to Baby Cliff's uh, Christmas present from Clark. Uh, Boys and girls, a lot of thought went into this present, Okay. Because, again, uh, as I previously told Oksana, I wanted to uh, honor both his heritage and also a little nod from his uh, honorary uncle, Clark. That is why. It better not be drugs. You know it's drugs. (laughs) (laughs) That is why Baby Cliff is getting his first Adidas tracksuit. Oh, what? From Uncle Clark. (laughs) It's it's sized for a child? Yeah, six months. Oh, shit. That's kind of cool. <laughs> no shoes, though? Oh, my God. Hey, you know what's funny? Let, let me, can I tell you something? Yeah. I'm excited to get him shoes. I'll get him shoes. That's no problem. Um, dude, we have so many shoes for him. He owns a pair of Uggs. <laughs> can I, I ask you this? She always leads with the Uggs, and I'm like, what kind, of, what kind of shoes does he have? That's hella cool. I mean, he's got, like, little sneakers. That What kind of sneakers? Yeah. She doesn't know. She only knows the others. All right. I, I just want your baby to look cool. That's it. Okay. Right. So I'm going to have Now, the other thing is, I could not get that size in red. I really wanted to get a red jumpsuit <laughs> because your little white baby with his sparkling blue eyes and a red, he would have looked like the Russian flag. Yeah. It would have been beautiful. No, that's cool. Uh, we'll have to throw him in it now. Are you sure it's like zero to... Three months. Or it's whatever? it's ex- it, well, I I bumped up to six months. Okay, so yeah. he'll have to grow. So he can grow bit. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's growing. He's growing like every I day. I know. That's he's, what they do. 
Oh, R- Randy, your mailbox too. Did somebody hit it with a baseball bat? What do you call that? Devil's night. You no, know, I thought yeah. that's a thing they do in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Right? I've seen Stand it in movies and hit stuff. Mailboxes with baseball bats? Yeah. I feel like that's more of a uh, bored white suburban thing to do. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean like coming at, you know, at a car window and yeah. shit? Yeah. yeah. No, it's just being a shithead. I saw it in a movie. Yeah, but I would love the idea saw of, it in a hundred <laughs> of Randy being tormented by some neighborhood kids knocking down his mailbox. Dude, that, that's my uh, Christmas wish right there is that some bullies <laughs> move in and start tormenting. They like teepee his house on Halloween. I love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, well, yeah, thank you for that. We'll, we'll dress him up. Uh, I mean, that's really why we had him is just to parade him around. He does look like a animatronic human when he wiggles around <laughs> he does. like a little ghoulie or something. So if you need a baby in a movie, uh, we're, we have low rates to, to rent out Cliff. Yeah, it's, it's almost like stop motion. Yeah, it is. It's fun. Yeah, he's cute. Um, now, uh, you know, I did think about the bracket thing. And I thought even if nobody, even if you completely gave up on it, we could do like a, a weird, we didn't plan for this, but there's a way to make the movies fight. And we could just base it off of the rotten score. I knew your head was going to go in some uh, There's a bunch of ways we could have done sure, it. Sure, yeah. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, but the, the problem is you, you got two, right? I watched one of them. Yeah. I'm stacked. I have like five, but I could give one to Oksana. She would have to pick it. Now, I haven't. Uh, the real problem is I bet most of them aren't even rated on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, you could go like Letterboxd. I was going to watch the uh, poorest rated Christmas film on Rotten Tomatoes. How do you how do you search that? Oh, that's it's it's there. Just type in uh, Christmas horror and then it showed up. Oh, OK. Um, well, maybe we could do that. One of the producers could look up the movies as we talk and we could keep score. Yeah, 37 Christmas Horror ranked from worst to first. The best is The Nightmare Before Christmas. What? At 95%. Oh, this is on Letterboxd, too? Number two is at 90% is Rare Exports. Whoa, weird. Three is Better Watch Out at 89%. Oh, Four wow. Four is Good. Gremlins at 86%. And rounding out the top five is Anna and the Apocalypse. You know, I almost watched that. And I remember like people I trust saying, Hey, I know it's a musical. Hey, I know the title is obnoxious, but it's good. And being like, okay. And then I never had. Now, the reason why I did not watch the film that was rated 0%. Uh-huh. Cause we talked to him on the show. Cause you, <laughs> we talked about it on this show. Okay. What is it? The dorm that dripped blood. Number 37. Wait, the dorm that dripped blood. I don't yes. know that movie. I think yes, because the house that dripped blood, Okay, was it okay? The house that dripped blood on Alex, and then there was a movie called The House that dripped blood. Or did you guys talk about the dorm that dripped blood? Because I thought the dorm that dripped oh, blood was a right. Nick and Harry thing, right? Yeah, yep. See, how do I remember movies that you've seen that you don't even remember that you've seen? I don't know. That's fucked up. I need to get out of here. It's part of my um my brain protecting me, and my my morality is. I don't it, care about your brain. I care about my brain. Okay, your brain has problems. We know that. Yeah, mine. Uh, it lets go of a lot of movies. You have to when you're, especially the ones I'm talking about today. I'm not going to remember them past this episode, but yeah. Um, before we get into that, I do want to. I want to mention that I had another BNO. I just can't get out of this house enough. And now that we have a kid to anchor Oksana here, I'm just partying alone all the time. Party. So I drove out to the four star again. Uh, this time alone in the rain. It was storming. 
because I had to go catch the closing night, which was the profane exhibit, which, you know, honestly, I, I was just looking through their catalog and it caught my eye because Uwe Boll did a small segment in it. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you see a uh, Ruggiero Diodato, who I share a birthday with. He's the director of Cannibal Holocaust. And we have, I didn't realize it. Nacho Vigalondo did a short in here. Nacho! Yeah, dude, it's stacked. I believe there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are 10 shorts in this anthology. You remember when Nacho made that one thing that was okay? Time Crimes? And then didn't. I think Time Crimes is fantastic. Time Crimes is wonderful. Yeah. Everything else, thank you for your service. Uh, the VHS segment he did was uh, interesting. Penis monster? Yeah. I don't know how you're not into that more. Um, <laughs> that- Colossal? Felt like, hey, let's get an interesting non-American director and force them to make an uninteresting American movie. Boy, did I not like Colossal. Yeah, it was really dumb. Although I do have the Alamo promo swag they gave out, which was the finger monster. Yeah. and uh, Oh, I did too. I was yeah, so excited I, for I kept the Me too. It's just a boring American movie. Randy, your thoughts? Also didn't care for it. Yeah. And there we go. Um, I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler. Spoiler. He has the best short. Nacho! It's fucking so good. Nacho's back. Um, Don't call it a comeback. Here's the thing. Uh, let's see what IMDb says about the profane exhibit. It says, deep within the underbelly of Paris, there is a club which is the home of a secret, wicked society. At first, it resembles an ordinary fetish or goth nightclub, but with the carnivorous building, the cavernous building. That was my fault there. Ooh. That was uh, wishful thinking. Uh, there are many the hidden rooms, and one of which is known as the Room of Souls, a private gathering place of the world's richest and most evil people. Okay, I don't know what this is saying. The movie opens up, and the wraparound is kind of a... Uh, it's kind of like an art piece. It feels like if you've watched any American horror story, you know how they always shoot a new intro scene and it's kind of like high, very polished, very um, interesting still photography, kind of of like creepy things related to the season. So I think the first one they had like dolls and it's just like doom, doom, doom. And they have like a swinging light. It's very um, stylish. This is that the wraparound except mm-hmm. it's all in a uh, processing plant where they're carving up meat Love so it. what they do is they'll have like a cow where their hind quarter is being like chopped off yep but they play it in reverse and it's like you know lit really pretty and there's cool music playing. well it's like the beginning of white god i don't remember the beginning of white we're god. slaughtering cows does that happen in the beginning of that yes it does yeah i only remember the like uh father daughter thing going on but yeah so that's the wraparound. And really, you're given no context when you're thrown into what feels like the third act of a movie. So like um, uh, one of the more memorable ones, Uwe Boll, has, oh, yes. uh, his star is Clint Howard, oh. who is uh, teamed up with the, um, what's her name from uh, Texas Chainsaw 2, who also hasn't had a great uh, career in her later half of life. But um. They're just a suburban couple and they're talking about uh, regular things. And then he's like, oh, we have to, I have to go feed my daughter. So he goes down to Don't a, feed my daughter. I'm going to go ahead and spoil this one uh, as I think it gets pumped up a lot because of the what the short is about. But he goes down to a basement room where the walls are all padded and his daughter is chained. And she's just like, daddy, can I leave? It's my birthday tomorrow. She hot. And, uh, well, she looks like so you would if you were tra- chained in a basement for most of your life. So, yeah. So she had potential, but it's been lost. <laughs> um, and Clint Howard uh, proceeds to talk to her gently. 
and give her some food. And then uh, I don't know if you call it rape because she wasn't really fighting back. Oh, she didn't seem to be enjoying it, though. Oh, so, yeah, daddy bones daughter. Oh, and then the end. Oh, well, no, that's not true. Oh. He goes outside and he sees his neighbor and he's like, hey, there's been some break ins recently. Can you watch our house while we're gone? And he's like, yeah, don't worry. That's what neighbors are for. And, you know, you're that's it. You're just left with that. And you kind of can walk backwards through it and be like, okay, what, what were they saying here? Or like, why did we do this? And um, I don't know. Some of them were really rewarding. Others were very confusing. One of them. Uh, I'm can, not gonna, I take, can I tell you right now? Yeah. You're not making this a very holiday friendly episode right now. Well, that's why I'm doing it up top. <laughs> and here's the thing. Uh, I tried my best to get people out. This is a two hour plus movie. No, it's a little under two. Actually, so here's the thing. Stephen Byro, former guest on the show and head of Unearthed Films, brought the copy out. This is We watched an uncut copy that I don't think has been shown. And DCP? Uh, I think it was on a DCP. Uh, Byro is looking like a character out of a comic book now. He looks very death metal forward. What do you... In like a, he's got a long beard, long hair. He always has. No, but this it's different now. It feels more refined. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of cool. He went up there. Uh, him and Benji. Now Benji was on the show a couple weeks ago. Benji and Byro. Oh man, uh, Benji. You know, I love Benji. I it took me a minute, but to realize how authentic of a film fan he is. Man, sure. h- him doing it, it, like an interview though, like a Q and A. Cool. He opened up, hey, Stephen Biro. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> it like, happens. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's just funny because they're like, it's yin and yang up there. Yeah. You get the like Tarantino. I met David Lynch on the uh, street yin, in LA guy. It's yin and yang. Yin and yang. And and Biro, <laughs> who's like, he's importing films that people won't even show. Like he he talked a little bit about how the profane exhibit will not be shown in film festivals, mm-hmm. other than like another hole in the head. Because a lot of places will reach out and be like, hey, uh, I'm blank from Fantastic Fest. Love the film. We can't show it. Um, We really aren't doing anything that even alludes to sexual violence anymore. So I'm sorry. Like that kind of stuff. And it's, I get it. Um, The problem is you open up a movie talking about that and then you watch it and you're like, it wasn't that bad. It's kind of like the barf bag experience again. Uh, But that's how it has always been. Kind of. I don't know. Serbian film, the first time I watched that, I bought it at Fry's. I remember it was $2. And I went, oh, here's the new foreign shock film. But but the Serbian film didn't have uh, certain... It didn't have a lot of oomph behind it in certain areas. Like, some of these things are going out in theaters. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, can swell up that way. The, the swell up from Terrifier 2 is bigger in this country than the swell up from a Serbian film. Yeah. I don't think it's close. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, um, I think your point, I think you made a point that you weren't even trying to make when you buy something, my specialty, uh, like for $2 at fries, you might think like, Oh, this could be anything. And, um, it kind of had that mystique where you're, if you go to a movie theater and you see terrifier Two, you probably were not, expecting the movie that you got there yeah so yeah i could see how that would have a bigger impact but serbian film is still kind of the king i think it's more brutal than the profane exhibit it's just cool to see all these people under one roof 
And also, Serbian film, I think, came out at an interesting time, right? It came out in, what, 2009, 2010? Post the French wave. And that is, that's, a, that's, that's still an interesting, because, you know, I, I graduated college around that time. The internet, it wasn't, it was still relatively young to a certain extent. Um, I mean, YouTube was only like four years old at that point, you know? Yeah. So it was uh, still finding its sea legs. And yeah. so I think that uh, you know, word of mouth was starting to spread that way um, at that time when a Serbian film came out. So I think that that had a lot to do with that, you know, catching on. And then obviously, you know, the different enclaves of horror films, you know, being able to communicate and, you know, mob think and group think and destroy everything. Yeah, the internet wasn't really distilled into like four social medias that people mostly used. Yeah. So you get a lot of like consensus. I mean, you had Randy out there raking on, uh, it was at 4chan at that time, right, Randy? Uh, Yeah, correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so this movie's great. <laughs> um, Randy, I, I feel like this will come across Randy at some point. I know of this it, movie. Yeah, but I don't think it would be a waste of time for you. It is very horror forward. Yeah. Um, but like we were there again, another hole in the head, all the usual suspects show up and Dave O'Shea was there and I knew immediately when it was done. And anybody who's listened to his interview and Clark, you'll know for sure too. When we got up, I was like, dude, how much did you love nachos? And he was like, oh dude, it was the fucking best. And uh, there may be a man in, uh, dude, it's so good. Just if you, if you're going to watch this, go for that. And don't get too excited for uh, Regario Diodato's. I'll tell you right now, because I doubt they're going to say it on the disc anywhere. His short was supposed to be part of a wraparound story that was abandoned. So when you watch it, you're kind of like, what the fuck was that? Like, it really feels kind of like uh, non sequitur and very Italian which you might be into. It might even feel a little bit like Argento stuff, but it's not what you probably were expecting. Um, it's good though. I highly recommend. I don't know. I know it's probably floating around on the internet right now. Like you probably torrent it, but d don't do that. Wait till the unearthed one comes out because he's putting out the uncut version. Hell yeah. Also, he told me that the distributor before wanted to cut it down to PG 13. <laughs> and yeah. I don't understand. Some of these shorts have, there's like, not, like you know, babies die. And it's like, what are you going to cut out of here? You're just going to cut the whole short. So, what distributor wanted to take that into PG-13? I don't know. He talked about it a lot, though. <laughs> he also talked about, there's one that has to do with Nazis. That's all I'll say. And they had a dude on set. Would who, you have anything if it was boiled down to PG-13? What would you have? No, literally. That was a question he asked. And he's like, I don't know. I wasn't there. He's like, but I'm not interested in that anyway. Um. There was a short that has to do with Nazis, right? Yep. And uh, a kid um, needs surgery on his throat. So a hand surgeon. Now, Byro is saying this guy is internationally famous. He's one of the most important surgeons in the world. You talking about Kevin? <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin the surgeon. He uh, helped on this film. And he did some surgery shit so they could use it in the, in, um, the movie. Well, it turned out that he had actually done it on bodies, like in a mortuary. Yeah. Cadavers. Illegally. Okay. And uh, Byro has the footage. And he was contacted by the dude's lawyers who were like, you cannot use that. Like, it's, it's, it's literally evidence if, like, you put that out. So then Byro was like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on this. And he basically told the crowd, hey, I know it's really weird thinking about an internationally known surgeon. 
But he's like, it's going to be in the news because I got my lawyers involved now, too. Hmm. So uh, eventually, probably if I know him, he's smart. He's going to wait till this movie comes out and then we'll be hearing about a surgeon <laughs> uh, cutting up cadavers for a movie. Oh, man. I know. But he. <laughs> How did he get that? I don't know. But, dude. I don't want to know. You know, and here's the thing. Just in case you're worried that Byro's like a, a maniac uh, death metal fan from Florida killing people to make his own movies. I did A come- narrative which you have painted <laughs> and no one else. He would appreciate it. I paint him as the new William Lustig importing um, art films that other people won't touch like Randy because they're not out on Criterion. <laughs> I do have <laughs> I do have a question about the movie though. Yeah, yeah. Did they happen to mention anything about the promotional skateboard for the film from 2016? No. Do you have one? No, but uh, a friend of ours tweeted about it in 2016 and I think they talked about it on their show. Oh, okay. I just okay. sent it in There's... the chat. Madeline. Oh shit. Okay, Sh- Madeline was up on it. Also, this was showing on her birthday. So oh. That's <laughs> But funny. I guess so the film was finished in like 2013 and has just been in like production hell. So Byro's worked with everybody and retouched shorts and stuff. I don't know. There's a lot here. It's all going to be in the DVD or the, the Blu-ray that he's going to release. He's doing like a, a, like a limited edition, nice one. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out for that surgeon news too. Um, yeah, I think that's it for that. The four stars. Beautiful. Again, if you're you give it Barry, five stars, I'd give it five. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, also, did I talk to Byro when I was there? Clark asked before the show. No, he ran out the door immediately. He hung out for the Q&A and was like, hey, any more questions? And then when that wrapped, I think he grabbed the DCP and bounced. Well, based upon your narrative of how you've painted this gentleman, he's probably went to go look for biker meth. Oh, that's what I was saying. No. So if you're worried that he's got real snuff mixed in there or excited, if you're a found footage fan. Uh, we actually pitched to him uh, Charlotte's Net at one point. And he was like, and I'm like, but mind you, I don't know if you could actually distribute real death. He's like, I don't even watch it. So there you go. By we, I had nothing to do with it. It was Clark's idea. He's like, I want 80-20 cut. That's true. You, know, like, what, you, know, you know I want that hamburger meat cut. <laughs> He's like, give me the blood money. He's like, give me the hamburger. Okay. Now, uh, before we throw it to our friend, uh, we have a... Uh, this is this is a this is a once in a lifetime segment, okay? Once in a lifetime segment because yesterday and today was a once in a lifetime event. Um, Russell, uh, now is the time that is called Clark's Sports Wrap Up. Randy, play a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about what happened yesterday um, at the bowl game in Mobile, Alabama. My beloved Golden Eagles wrapped up their football season. All I want to talk about is, uh, you know, Frank Gore Jr. Russell, as I told you before, the, I, I know you are a San Francisco 49er fan, and the great Frank Gore was the running back. I know you're familiar with him. Well, his son is our running back, and he looks exactly like his father. Yeah, I was going to say. And he also plays a lot like his father. Uh, yesterday, he broke uh, a lot of records in the bowl game. He ran for 329 yards. Damn. That's a lot. 
that is the most a running back has run this season in the entire uh, football season. <laughs> uh, the, the record, I think, for NCAA, I think, is 427 yards. Uh, he ran for 329, uh, three total touchdowns. He also threw for a touchdown. So he broke all kind of records. Um, he also, uh, no person in a bowl game has ever run for more than Frank Gore Jr. Uh, but the reason why I want to talk about this is what happened after the game when he is being interviewed uh, by ESPN and he is interrupted and uh, Russell take it from here. I knew, I knew how important this was for our team. Auntie, chill. I knew, I knew how important this was for our team. Was that it? That's it. <laughs> Russell, explain, explain the scene of what happened there. Uh, looks like he was giving one of those awful, like, hey, 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 uh, Frank Gore Jr., can, tell me about how you feel right now. Yes. And then they're always like, well, you know, I put in a lot of hard work. It's the same fucking dance every game. Yep. Except uh, there's a bunch of people around him, and he stops talking to turn over his right shoulder and tell his, his aunt to chill. Describe his aunt. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't really... It was like a little like real. What what the hell is going on? That's her at the bottom right corner. Oh, she dude, she looks <laughs> Does she have no teeth? In? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like she has no teeth. And she wanders in frame and then Frank Gore stiff arms her. <laughs> he stiff arms her out of This man just ran for 350 <laughs> yards and he stiff arms his aunt. So after the game uh, that clip has uh, been retweeted on Twitter a whole bunch and a lot of accounts have picked it up and he's gotten a lot of attention for being mean to his oh, aunt. whatever. <laughs> and then I retweeted something he tweeted and he was like, y'all chill out. I love my auntie. And that was it. And it was, uh, it was pretty great. Dude, are you kidding? Like everybody's got an aunt or an uncle that's like that. That's kind of the whole thing about being an uncle. It's just, that's why it's the whole thing is like, it's so relatable and it's innocent and it's fun. Cause she's just so happy. <laughs> she just, she's literally going, yay. And walking into Frank. She's, she's waving her pom-poms. And right. then Frank's just empty chill. Now, the second thing I want to mention here, uh, is Randy and I were uh, chatting back and forth this morning, watching, I was watching. Randy does not believe in, uh, television so he does not watch the world cup he was watching uh like a live update uh the world cup finale between france and argentina was this morning russell fisher oh it ended in penalty kicks boy it was one for the ages and argentina took it uh when they made four penalty kicks to france's two was titillating titillating they had to play 30 extra minutes after the t after the other stoppage time, and then they went to penalty kicks, and I had to explain to Randy about the the artistry of the penalty kick because the thing with the penalty kick that's when it's one on one. Russell, you got you got the kick, you got the kicker, and you got the goalie, mm -hmm. and it's very close. That's why sometimes you'll see the goalie will he it's so fast the goalie's got to commit to one side or the other. Because he's not going to see the ball. So it's it's really, half the time, it's a guess. Now, there's certain things you can do. That's why you see the guys up there like Messi. Okay, he gets up there. He tiptoes around there, and then he gets cute with it because he's trying to throw off the goalie because the goalie's got to commit. <sighs> Very exciting. So it was a good World Cup. Argentina beat France. 
Mbappe. He scored three goals, dude. That's a lot. His name is Mbappe. How tight is that? That's how boring the sport is. When you score three times, it's something you talk about. <laughs> no, dude, soccer is <laughs> chill. Fucking hate soccer. Nah, dude. Soccer's and I watched great. I watched it a lot early when um the US team was actually doing well. I was there, I was angry when uh, Mexico was throwing bottles of urine and uh the referees weren't doing anything because their rule system is completely dumb. I hate the flops. I hate how the NBA started adopting that shit. Well, it, it well, it it was an epidemic. Yeah, it's a problem for a dumb sport. Also, take a fucking break. We got to go to the bathroom. But who cares? Don't cut my head off because that's what fans do there. Well, that's why they add the time <laughs> on at the end. Here's the thing. I also have a dumb news thing. I don't, you know, last week, I don't know what I was doing, but I brought up the, the video game awards because our boy got stiffed. Our fucking boy, Sam Barlow, who has changed the way I look at video Did games. Did he get stiffed? I mean, no, this does nothing but propel his career. <laughs> he got stiffed. He's the best. He's a genius. He did it. It did well. And uh, the whole show was hijacked by the Bill Clinton kid. Now, I played an a audio, a little clip last week of it, only for Clark because Bill Clinton, whatever, it's stupid. Have you heard all the shit about this guy now? No. Well, the thing I failed, I didn't, I didn't do any diving on this. After he said that on stage and got off, he was immediately arrested. Of course he was. Because he was not part of the Elden Ring team. Yeah. Um, and I have never mentioned Bill Clinton's name <laughs> on the show, nor will So Bill Clinton, the, uh, what, he was a rabbi or something. He's real. And he was nominated for whatever award. But this kid, uh, the reason I bring this up now is because people have been doing deep dives on him. He's 15. Oh, boy. Uh, he's a ultimate troll already. Yeah. And he started very young. His first appearance was at the NBA, where he was holding up a shirt that said, like, you know, go team. And when the camera showed this, like, energetic little five-year-old with this shirt, he dropped the first shirt, and under it said, save Hong Kong. And the cameraman panicked and started going all over the crowd trying to get away from him. So I remember that. Yeah, he's that kid. He's, um... He's coming up in the world. Uh, what's his availability in the next couple oh, of weeks? Oh, dude, he's booked all over the place. He's on every stupid video game podcast. He's all over the place. Um, we're yeah. a new, we're a video game show now, dude. I Randy's I'm, playing Duck Hunt next week. <laughs> dude, I'm down to do a video game podcast. Anybody out there who wants to talk? Anybody who wants to look at video games like they were film and narrative and really discuss things? Except like, it's GTA Five only. I'm only half joking about that. Um, there's a new game out. Where it's a sci-fi game. It looks kind of like Alien. You're breaking out of a prison. Have you heard anything about that? You're breaking out in prison, like with hives. Uh, no, you're breaking out of prison, which is breaking down. Anyway, your health bar is injected in the back of your neck. And I was talking to Oksana about, you know, narratively, you're removing the hub, which for horror games, it really helps the immersion. Yeah. If you want to talk about these kind of things on the podcast, hit me up. <laughs> and if you want to talk about these things on the podcast, do not hit me up. All right. Is it time for our friend? Yeah, let's bring him in. Yep. yep. You all ready? Randy, you got an intro for him? Yeah, he was in uh, maybe the best scene of uh, Steven Spielberg's movie, The Fablemans. It's uh, our buddy, David Lynch. <laughs> David, I'm so I, he's not showing up today. What I was I was holding my breath till the very end. Here's the thing: this is serious. Our show is so huge that our bit it just it propelled his whole career. And if you uh, you know, 
I, I don't really want to support it because he comes on here and then we give him the groundwork. It's rich soil in which his creative artistry can grow. And he started this thing and then he turned it into a YouTube channel. So he every day on there, he's doing our bit on this YouTube. Um, there's a thing that happened. He hasn't posted for two days. He's been doing this for 950 days consecutively. The last two days, nothing. Really? Yeah. Really? So I was kind of hoping he was just going to fly in. I mean, we still had the ticket for him, but he's not here. Uh, I don't want to alert anybody. I know this is our holiday episode, but if you look back at all of the lore about Christmas, it's usually about death. And there's been a lot of it in the air. I don't want to, you know, sound any alarms, but 950 days in a row. And now we, he missed a weekend. 951 days of David <laughs> Lynch love. There is a chance that the weekend train just didn't show up. And maybe he was like, all right, I'll take a vacation. Damn. But, he, might uh, be at his, he might be at his homie's fun- funeral. Angelo Badalamente. Oh. That's true. Oh, yeah, because uh, honestly, I don't think he's posted since he died, maybe. Because when he, when Babelmente died, he just said, no songs today. He goes, that was it. No music. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Well, good. I'm glad. So. All right. Then maybe. Maybe that was his suicide note. Yeah. Maybe he had a pact. He said, Babelmente, when you're gone, I'm going. All right. If someone is down in Los Angeles, in the greatest Los Angeles area, if you could go to the dumpster behind Bob's big boy. (laughs) If just do a well check and see if David Lynch is in that dumpster. Don't worry. I, I got one better. I'm texting Benji right now, asking him where because <laughs> they're best friends. All right, My so best um, I, anyway, just for all of you sticklers out there, it's December 18th, the day that we're recording, and uh, get ready for the holiday SmackDown, Clark Little style. Not yet. <laughs> what? I, I was just saying, not yet. <laughs> Wait, what? You re- you broke up? I was just saying, not yet, because we know that I don't really have Christmas movies. Yeah, I know. God damn it. I mean, you called it. I did, but Clark, hey, so when I was in the kitchen, I was like, hey, what are the odds that Randy watched a holiday horror movie, let alone a holiday movie? And Clark, got, he always gets defensive. I don't get defensive. He was just like, Randy is my boy, and he fucking did it. He'll probably watch more than you did. And I said, whoa, dude, put the knife down. And then we came up here, and you broke his heart, Randy. <laughs> Sadly, all of that is very true. <laughs> all right, Randy. So tell, tell us about your not Christmas movies. Go well, ahead. I'll tell you my my journey with this after agreeing to it and uh, not agreeing to a thing that probably would have been better for me personally. I did go to like many lists <laughs> and check uh, holiday or Christmas horror movies. Uh, you know, various lists between IMDb and Letterboxd and Nothing was really sticking out. So I was like, what is a, uh, what's a Randy movie on one of these lists? And uh, I tried watching the aforementioned on this program, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. Mm. Because I was like, you know, it's like horror comedy. It's a musical. Uh, it seems like maybe it could be a Randy, a Randy pick, you know? I made it about 13 minutes in. And the music was too cute. It felt like, uh, what's that uh, movie about the acapella groups that Adam Devine's in? 
uh, uh, was that pitch perfect? Pitch, pitch perfect. Yeah, it felt like pitch perfect kind of like type of music, and it was too cute. I'm, I'm guessing that it gets better and uh, you know different once the actual horror and zombie stuff comes in, but I couldn't make it, so I gave up. Uh, yeah, 13 minutes in, and I, uh, yeah, I decided to watch something else instead. What do you rate it? Uh, 0.5. <laughs> incomplete, incomplete. Holy shit, Randy. I'm, well, I'm glad. Honestly, I, everything you said, I feel like I would agree with. So now I'm worried. Yeah. I, I probably just will never watch it now. Okay, well, all right. Well, Russell, what if you had to give Randy a, as we have uh, self-proclamated, a Randy Christmas movie, what would that be? Oh, I don't know. A Randy, I got a, I got a couple. A Christmas horror? A Christmas horror movie that you think would that, that falls under that uh, Randy uh, sphere? I don't know. Randy likes to have fun sometimes. I think on that list you read off, the number three was Better Watch Out, which I loved. Actually, did we see that, the four star? I have seen yeah. Better Watch Out, and I do enjoy it, but I wanted to yeah. try to find something that was, like, not super uh talked about you know or something that you guys yeah, maybe it. might not talk about too yeah what about a dial code Santa claus never seen it or heard of it yeah it was a uh, canadian oh. film that uh highlighted their early internet like pre-global shit and nice. uh they claim that the script when they were shopping it around for american distribution was ripped off and turned into home alone oh weird which yeah, you don't really see. There's not much of a connection there. Yeah, honestly, I think Dial Code Santa is better. Yeah, that Co- movie's awesome. It's also known as uh, Joy Noel too. Yeah, there's a bunch of names yeah. for that movie. Uh, Randy, it's available. I think. Uh, I think that's a good one. Uh, what was another one? Um, the tone of that one, Randy, well, is what? very like Alamo, uh, like you know, Agfa. Okay. Also, yeah. Randy, guess what? It's French, baby. Yeah, sold. Thank you. Uh, and then I was thinking of um, Rare Exports. Did you ever see that? No, I do know of it. I like Rare Exports. Now, uh, the former co-host on this show uh, detested Rare Exports. Yeah, I'm lukewarm on it. I liked it a lot. I, I, saw, it I out, saw it 15 years ago. Me too. I saw it when it was playing at the Lumiere out here in mm. San Francisco. And I remember just being kind of like, eh. Like it wasn't like I think back then foreign films like they really had to hit genre notes. Otherwise, I wasn't going to do any mental like wrangling for cultural differences or anything. Also, the Krampus idea was really new then. Yeah. And I wanted more of like, I think, a monster. But I don't know if that would play well for Randy. Randy, I think if you wanted to get heady. Oh, man. Black Christmas is a good one, dude. Sure. Because that's that's kind of like the uh, the, you know, if you're a horror elitist. You're always like, no, Halloween wasn't the first slasher. It's Black Christmas. You should listen to um, Nick and Harry on Cinematic Oblivion talk about it because they really break down how that's like the only true slasher to form. So there's a lot of like interesting film notes to dig in there. Like the slasher never appears on screen. Okay. Which is like kind of like an existential horror thing going on. It's yeah. So I honestly, I think you might dig Black Christmas, dude. Yeah, dude. There's a there's a lot of stuff out there, and you know, not to mention all the non traditional, you know, Christmas stuff of like movies that just happen to, you know, kiss the Christmas season. 
Yeah. yeah. I'll get into that in my my thing later. Also, Randy, you should watch Bloodbeat, a uh, Midwestern film. Actually, I don't know if it's Midwest, but uh, a movie that has a Christmas tree in it. So people call it Christmas, but it is, uh, you know, it stars the ghost of a samurai. Oh, <laughs> Forrest cool. Whitaker. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That'd be sick. All right. I'm done, Randy. I'm, I am interested to hear what you watched in lieu of our uh, holiday bracket brawl. And also, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to, you know, spite watch Anna and the Apocalypse right now. Do it's it. going to be fucking sick. Okay? <laughs> I, I hope it's good. Maybe I'll uh, finish the rest of it one day. Russ, did you ever watch it? No. You want to watch it? No. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, sorry, Randy, we'll get to your segment here. Shortly. You're good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was, uh, dude, last night, last night I was listening to the Blues Brothers. Don't ask me. Oh, why. God. And I was just thinking, you know, when was the last good comedy musical? Doesn't happen. The Blues Brothers, man, like movies like that, because I was thinking about like that and, and Monty Python, you know, these were big comedies and they would do these musical numbers. Oh, you mean like Apatow, big budget. Apatow kissed on that a little bit, you know, with the uh, 40-year-old version. I'm sure we've talked to somebody version. on here who's done a horror musical that you like. Well, you're thinking, uh, which I never saw, uh, but Bousman, Repo. I know. Oh, no, I'm not thinking of that. I'm not a fan. Go ahead, Oksana, if you want to defend it. Oh, as a a goth? It's a recovering goth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just like the mechanical eyeballs. (laughs) There we are. And that's why I love her. Although, yeah, dude, I'm not. What was the other one? Devil's Carnival? Or the. Oh, oh, yeah. God, dude. Boo. It's tricky. Well, also, like with horror, like horror, that's even trickier to do. With me, because I feel like if you do a horror um, musical, man, I just it just feels very hot topicy. You know what I mean? Yep. It's hard to to get away from those uh, from that uh, front back of the store vibes. You know, I you know what the lure, but I think you fell asleep during it. I, I hit rim cycle. <laughs> <laughs> I hit rim cycle. Right, Randy? Did you watch that? That's a good yeah. call, though. I have yeah. the uh, Criterion. You know what helps that? What? International. If that shit was English, no one would give a shit. Yeah. 100%. I don't know. It's pretty cool. 100%. No, dude. If I had, if I had like a, a, a fantastical idea like that, I'd go find another person who spoke a different language, shoot it in their language, <laughs> and do it. Because you get away with more shit. You'd probably get some government money, too, from another also, country. Also, t- t- yeah. Do you think we just been sitting here for six years scratching our cocks? <laughs> no. I'm sure we haven't. No. We've been <laughs> stroking, <laughs> getting ready to penetrate. That's what we're doing. Okay. It's a smoke and mirrors, baby. There's I don't, a, I lost my train of thought. There's a movie called Nudist Colony of the Dead that's a musical horror comedy. Oh. 91. Speaking of nudist colony, remind my favorite movie from three years ago, Patrick. <laughs> Which I don't know if it ever came out. I think it did. Check it out. Not a musical. Randy. So yeah, I, I have a movie that you can watch easily during Christmas if you wanted to. I don't know if it's a good movie to watch with your family, but um, it's on Netflix now, but I saw it in theaters. The Plaza had a 35 millimeter print of it. Uh, oh, new- shit. 
new movie uh, just came out called Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful <laughs> of Truths. Uh, bless you. <laughs> Directed by uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, uh, who did Birdman and uh, Beautiful and Amores Peros. And uh, yeah, this is his uh, new movie, like I said, that just came out. It's uh, 160 minutes long. It's a little long. The critic reviews and stuff are rather mixed from what I've seen. And the contrarian in me wanted to love this movie because of that. Uh, I really like uh, most of his movies um, that I've seen so far. And uh, this one is a perfect three and a half for me. Uh, I didn't mind the runtime. It didn't feel too long. I think if you're watching it at home, it might be kind of hard to do. Um, if, you know, you have cell phones and distractions and stuff. But um, essentially the plot of the movie, the main character... Silvio is a documentary filmmaker who is Mexican, but he found a lot of success in uh, America and California um, just making movies. So it's basically like a story about uh, Inuri 2, but, you know, in a different sort of character um, because he, you know, is a Mexican filmmaker and made a couple films in Mexico and I think has been making movies in the U.S. since like 2000. And I think this is his first movie shot in Mexico and uh, in Spanish. Um, But the movie is like very uh, like magical realism, sort of like fantastical. The Essentially one of the first scenes, uh, it takes place at a hospital and Silvio and his wife um, are there and his wife just had a baby and the baby is on like an operating, an operating table and whispers something to the doctor and the doctor says, that the baby doesn't want to be born because the world's too fucked up. And then so they push the baby back into the vagina. And that's kind of how the movie starts. And so like, okay, I'm kind of uh, in for a ride. I, I, you know, kind of see what this movie's doing. It's going to be like, take place like in what looks like reality, but very like weird kind of fantastical things are going to happen. There's a scene where he's at like this, um, he's supposed to be accepting an award at this like really big, party there's a bunch of scenes in this movie that have like hundreds and hundreds of extras like really great cinematography and like production design and everything uh, but yeah there's a scene where he's supposed to be an accepting an award um for one of his new documentaries and he goes into the bathroom when he's supposed to be accepting the award because he's just like he's having like an existential crisis and dealing with a lot of feelings of like people from mexico being like you're kind of a sellout and like you say you love mexico but like you abandoned us type of thing just kind of having like a conflict of uh, like identity and everything. Uh, so he goes into the bathroom and he sees what is apparently his father, although I think his father isn't actually around anymore. And then Silvio's character like shrinks to like a 10 year old <laughs> form, but like the head is like weirdly shaped and like kind of like fucked up looking like it's obviously CGI. Um, so there's a lot of like really weird, fantastical stuff in here um, that might not work for everybody. But um, overall, I, I wanted to love it more than I did, but I think it's it's still pretty good. Randy. <laughs> yeah. Is it weird that I just read a um I was reading a book. I'm I'm working through um Uzumaki, uh-huh. the Junji Ito comic. And uh I just read a story where a baby was born. Yeah. And talked to all the other babies in the nursery and they all decided that they wanted to go back in the womb. Oh, really? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's very- yes, of course. But also in this story, um, placenta that fell out during the birth 
started turning into placenta mushrooms on the floor. Ah. And the doctor, realizing the uh, potential health benefits of eating placenta, started serving it to everybody in the hospital. Are you talking about the lead singer of the band Live? How did you know? <laughs> placenta falls to the floor. That's a lyric? Are you kidding me? I don't listen oh, to live. <laughs> I feel it coming back again. Okay. Lightning nope. crashes, dude. And then placenta hits Her the placenta floor. falls to the floor. Producers, can you check that? What are you talking about? <laughs> that sounds like a perfect, like, somebody singing lyrics in a car. Lightning but they don't. crashes live. Placenta falls to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> dude, he's a fucking poet. Oksana, confirm. I'm still looking. Give it, give it 10 Christ. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, while she's doing that, I will say, yeah, if you, uh, you know, if the description I said sounds interesting, I'd give it a shot. Like I said, it might be kind of hard to watch at home when you have distractions. It's very like, not to sound like pretentious like I am, but um, <laughs> it's, it, I'm glad I saw it in the theater because it's very much like an experience movie, you know? Um, it was kind of like watching Blonde in theater. I don't know if I would have finished, Bl- finished Blonde uh, at home just because it's kind of a, uh, kind of i don't know i like this much more than blonde but you would have had your dick out (laughs) yeah that too (laughs) randy's saying they put the blah in blonde blonde (laughs) it's more like blonde oksana confirmed thank you (laughs) good lyrics dude (laughs) yeah randy you know whenever we have like visual um fairy tales being told in a very like thoughty like thoughtful kind of cinema approach. I always think yeah. of like Brazil or yeah. I think our, our go-to here is like Terry Gilliam. Bro. The thing is, I feel like a lot of his movies are rooted in like a simple genre idea. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, Brazil is just a dystopian future and it's really easy to get behind that. And as it spirals out of control, you, you kind of always still have a footing. Mm-hmm. Is this like non sequitur? Like it keeps building into like out, Rageous, like what are we doing now kind of moments um not entirely there's sequences in the movie that very much feel like reality as well but then there's scenes that very much like break that reality too and then uh there's definitely like a story in it like like i said it's kind of like about this guy going through this like i like identity of uh or crisis of identity sort of um being from mexico and you know kind of feeling like a sellout to uh you know his home even though he says that he loves it and there's like a family stuff in it too, but um, yeah, there's definitely like, I don't know, it's weird because the fanciful things happen in like a very, uh, like sort of like a real world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they're in Mexico and like it very much looks, I mean, I haven't really been to Mexico besides like for a day uh, with a church trip a long time ago, but you know, it looks very just like kind of a uh, standard what you would see like of Mexico in, in movies. Randy, what happened on your one-day church trip in Mexico? Uh, we built a house, quote-unquote. In that was a about day? It. I think it was a day, maybe two. It was a short okay. trip. You had a one-day <laughs> church trip to Mexico, and you're hiring a Home Depot dude to install a mailbox? <laughs> this was a long time ago and there was many it's people from Mexico <laughs> yeah there was many people uh doing much of the heavy lifting I think I like probably did some painting or something I wasn't the one putting up walls and stuff dude we got to make a short film it's just a wide shot of a desolate looking Home Depot and there's a bunch of dudes out there you're not sure are they hanging out 
are they looking for work? Are they eating lunch? And then a car pulls up. It's Randy. <laughs> and he's like, hey, <laughs> when do you drive a post into my lawn? I need a, a mailbox. And a guy is, you know, he, he's a big dude. Randy's like, okay, yeah, this will work. But somebody pushes past him. He's like, hey, I remember you. You built my uh, my abuelita's house on <laughs> a church trip. And then Randy's dark past is revealed. Dude, we got to shoot this. We're going to get into Tiff. Oh, it's just it Tiff's all over that. <laughs> Why? What happened? No, it's saying they're all over it. Oh, okay. No, I thought love- you were saying they're all over. Like no, 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 Tiff, no, no, no. Tiff loves it. Dude, we could do this. All right. that Randy, Bardo. The sequel to Birdman. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not very into it. Also, I like how you pitch the minute count. Uh, for anybody not doing math at home, it's two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Two hours and 50? God. It's pretty long. It's not as long as Avatar The Way of Water. Oh, shit. When are how- you going to see it? Never. What? How long is that hunk of shit? Hold on. You're not like going to watch it? It's 310 to Yuma? 310. Oh. Yeah. When are you going? Never. What, what? I have zero interest. Come on. The hacky sack duo when was, it comes to film is no, going to go see uh, James you, Cameron's you, new I, jack-off film? Since I have met you, you know my thoughts about James Cameron and yeah, Avatar. He's a god. You have a shrine to him in your room. Avatar did, dude. I'm out. Also, I will be going Wednesday to see it in 4D at the Clark Regal Cinema. Are y'all really going? We're going on. Yep. I'll Pathetic. tell you. It's been selling out. Puh. Pathetic. I am Dude, so disappointed 40. and disgusted by nah. you too. You got your Top Gun. I got my blue people. <laughs> That's fair. High, <laughs> high frame rate or no? Uh, I honestly have no idea. I just know Ooh. that the ticket uh, was like $29. I don't know. Actually, how much was it? Yeah, it was like 54 for two of them. So. God, God right. Dude, bless. Here's the thing. Randy's talking about Bardo as a uh, theater experience. No, I, you know, this dude's a filmmaker who people take seriously and they'll watch his shit. And I, you know, I'm, I bet we could watch it at home. Avatar, the first one, is a boring movie <laughs> with a premise that's very stupid. The, the aliens that people want to inhabit look very dumb. Yeah. They look so dumb. And not hot. Nothing about that movie is appealing, except for like the, uh, the wave of FOMO that comes after. And the whole, like, oh, he spent so much money. He's ruined people's careers. Like, who was that guy that was in, um, he's in the first Hatchet. He's in uh, uh, Grandma's Boy. He's that really skinny guy. He's in Avatar. It's like, I feel like James Cameron locked him up in a basement and sent Clint Howard in to bone him. <laughs> Do you guys know, Oksana, you know who I'm talking about? Joel David Moore. Yeah, he was in Spiral, the uh, Adam Green film, too. Good actor. He's been completely locked up with Cameron for, like, a decade now. And, you know, this movie comes out. Oh, yeah, that guy. They're underwater. I don't know. I'm like, you know, if the theater seat's going to move around and squirt me in the face, <laughs> this might be the only time I have any kind of fun. And uh, also, I don't know if you knew, but we had a kid, and I just can't wait to get the fuck out of the house and away from him. <laughs> so three hours and ten minutes with Oksana, that sounds like a dream vacation. Okay, who's going to take bets on how soon he turns off the seat? It moves. <laughs> it moves, right? No, here's the thing. You feel guilty and turn it off. Here's the thing. I take <laughs> Star Wars very seriously because I'm a fucking genre fan. I love film and I love subverting popular culture. So when uh, our Jedis were pulling a rope towards them and my seat was rumbling, <laughs> I couldn't get out of my head of who made that call. Is there a dude? Is it like old Grindhouse trailers where the director and nobody worked on the film was in the room? And like some dude at like 
sentries like oh we need a rumble here <laughs> and like and then i'm just thinking of like is there a gauge like we need a 10 rumble here that's an excellent point y- yeah is there what who is the rumble technician yeah in <laughs> these things the, the rumble conductor <laughs> Do they have someone go through the entire uh, start to finish of the film? <laughs> Saying right there, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right there. Give Rumble it, coach. give it a six. Give it a six on the rumble scale. Yeah, let's get a tilt to the left here, and then oh, oh, he's going to open a coke. Make sure to squirt them in the seat. <laughs> Dude, because that is a thing, right? Do they have like a fan and a jet of water? Some of that shit. Yeah, it's like Pier Thirty Nine. Do they have still? Is there a well under the theater where they're pulling this water out of? <laughs> yeah. Also, recycled water during the times <laughs> that we are in. Wonderful, wonderful. So this is why I'm going. Also to say I did it. Also, we're going on See, Wednesday. Weak, weak nah, constitution. Nah, it's a riot, Randy dude. and I are the fucking strongholds here. No, hell no. You're like, ooh, Top Gun Maverick. You're like, I want to start yes! a Mission Impossible podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's already been done. You know, Mission Impossible might as well be an eight foot tall blue hermaphrodite like I'm going to go incorrect, see. Incorrect. Incorrect. The ignorant spewing from your mouth. <laughs> it's pathetic. Anyway, I'll tell you how it was. I'll do a full report. What we'll was a special episode go up as I Can we recount. take that? You will fall asleep. Uh, that's totally fair. Both of you will you will fall asleep first. <laughs> hey, there's no question. I know Oksana won't stand up for herself, so I'm going to. Uh, I basically had to talk her into going to this. <laughs> she was like, you really want to do that? And I'm like, no. But if I'm ever going to watch this movie, if I'm ever going to, it has is, to be in this theater at that time. There's someone else going who's actually excited to see it, and that's probably why. That is true. Uh, we are going with one of our buddies who I've never mentioned here, so whatever, and Terrell. And Terrell is hyped for the hype wave. I don't think he's... He tried to watch the first Avatar to get caught up because he does that with everything. And he passed out in like five minutes. And he was just like, oh, I don't know if I want to even try this again. It's pathetic. Yeah. So I'm excited and I'll be back and I'll report to y'all. Randy, can you cut all that out? (laughs) We we tried it. We tried to be a cool fucking show, dude. And you're going to come here and talk about JC for 20 minutes and not even Jesus Christ or Jim Caviezel, the other JC? I don't have another one. Fucking. You know, I might even install a rumble function into my chair for this podcast. What are you, a fucking hotel in the 80s? Every time Clark burps or something, I'll get squirted. (laughs) Yeah, right there. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> Randy, anything else? Yeah, I'll be quick with this one, but uh, I guess this week I'm shilling for a company that doesn't need us to show for them because there's another Netflix movie that I saw in theaters a couple weeks ago that I didn't talk about. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I recently read the Don DeLillo uh, novel, White Noise, because Noah Baumbach uh, made an adaptation of it. Um, and it's out on Netflix on the 30th, uh, and it's been in theaters for a couple weeks. Oh, you've yeah. seen this. I did, yeah. Uh, starring Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, Don Cheadle, and others. Um, music by Danny <laughs> Elfman, which I didn't realize until afterwards, but the music was pretty good in this. Um, I'll be kind of short with this, but um, I liked it a lot more than I kind of expected. I'd also read some sort of mixed reviews on it. Um, I don't think it's as like dark or cynical as the book is, but I think it's pretty decent. Um, the beginning, so it kind of takes place in, or it takes, well, it takes place in the eighties, but, uh, it's kind of told in three chapters. The first chapter, it, I kind of wasn't getting on board. Um, 
the camera like movements, which I think is intentional, are a little like jarring. And there's a lot of uh, like crosstalk uh, in conversations, like very like Altman esque, where like you're hearing multiple conversations, but you're not sure what you're supposed to focus on. I think this is all intentional for the like vibe of the movie that they're trying to set. Um, but the second portion of this movie, uh, titled The Airborne Toxic Event, which essentially uh, there is this town that they're living in, um, like I said, in the 80s. And essentially, um, it's like a very like suburban kind of like uh, very, you know, just sort of picturesque, like suburban type of thing. It's a little quirky. Um, and there is this accident that happens between a truck driver and a like a freight train. And this freight train is carrying like toxic chemicals. And uh, oh the freight train crashes into a uh, truck driver who is uh, drinking and driving and essentially this big black cloud starts, you know, raising up into the atmosphere, like a little bit outside of the town or outside of like the suburbs where Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig and their family is living. And uh, they're like, oh no, it's it's fine. Like, you know, stuff never happens here. Like it doesn't actually come. It's going to be okay. And uh, pretty shortly after the town gets a warning, says you need to evacuate now. And, um, from there, it becomes like a pretty big budget for uh, Noah Baumbach. It's, he takes a big swing with this movie, and I think he does a pretty good job with it. Um, like I said, the second portion of the movie, I think, is my favorite. And the third is pretty good as well, but it's, um, I don't know if it really like sticks the landing as much, but I, I've been thinking about it quite a bit since I watched it, and I probably will watch it again when it comes out on the 30th. But I did also, uh, like I said, shilling for Netflix. They uh, had a bunch of free stuff at the theater when you went and saw the movie, if you did see it in theater. So I got a bunch of lobby cards Ooh, with promotional right. stills and then like different like posters um, oh, on the back. There's like seven of them and Ooh. they're all pretty fucking cool. And there was like a poster from the movie too. That's not like a, not a standard like big uh, movie poster. It's probably like the size of this Tysagal poster behind me for those that are watching, which is just us. But yeah, it's a it's pretty good. I I like I said I enjoyed it much more than I thought just based on reviews and having read the book, but you know, it's very hard to compare watching a movie and reading a book cuz they're such like different experiences, but yeah, I'm a fan. Now Randy White Noise, this is a novel. Um now as as everyone here knows, I am an educated man and I know all about the Don DeLillo and the White Noise. What I didn't know was uh anything to do with the story. Um, and which begs the question, Randy, do you think that this, uh, this whole project started because maybe there could be a pandemic vibes sort of, uh, you know, yeah. that sort of thing? For sure. Yeah. That all that kind of like stuff that might, you might be able to read into, uh, you know, pandemic concerns and everything would be in the second portion, the airborne toxic event. Um, which is my favorite part of the book and the movie. Um, but I think I heard an interview with Bombback where he said that during the pandemic, that's where like the movie really clicked for him or where it really clicked that he could make a movie about it or wanted to make a movie um, based on the book. So definitely there, but it's not like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. And uh, how do you, you think you did with the uh, adaptation? Nice little adaptation. Yeah, like I said, it's pretty good. Oh, that's what I forgot to mention. Um, like I said, it's not as like dark or cynical as the book is, I feel. Um, it still kind of has a 
Noah Baumbach feel to it. Uh, I mean, he's working with Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver, who he's worked with before. So there's that uh, element to it. But the end credits of this movie made me almost like the movie even more. So there's a new LCD sound system song that closes out the movie. And uh, the end of the movie takes place in a supermarket. And essentially there's people like dancing, uh, like choreographed to the LCD sound system song. And it plays over like the whole end credits. It's like a, maybe like a five minute, six minute song. Uh, and it's great. Great oh, closing wow. credit song. Well, I like that a lot. All, All right. right. Netflix. <laughs> Hold on. Before we close it out, let me, let me play the sound. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's so cute. He's wearing a Netflix hoodie right now, too. <laughs> I know we don't do a visual podcast. Sell out, Randy! So, while Randy was, uh, ironically enough, uh, sharing a lot of white noise, <laughs> I was thinking about what you raised earlier, which was the, uh, you teed me up for some JC names. And I had none at the hip. Well, I thought of two. John Carpenter. <laughs> nice. And Joey Chestnut. I'm surprised you didn't pull that one out. That was 45 minutes ago. Oh, I know. It's like the, the jerk narrow story, urethra of your mind, you squirt out fucking Joey Chestnut, so, who I love, and I met at the Caltrain Millbury Station. Oh, that's where you hooked up, right? Yeah. We <laughs> fucked at the train station. Oddly enough, though, he gagged. Hey, hey I should be so lucky. All right, are you ready? Yeah, now to get into our Christmas uh, movies, there is a, uh, a new movie that came out um, which you can watch on HBO Max, although it is an Adult Swim uh, special, I guess you would say. Um, so apparently this movie was not like announced or you could not see anything about it until the day that it really came out. Uh, but I guess Adult Swim said they're going to do like some sort of a Yule Log thing for Christmas this year. And then by the time I had heard about it, I basically just heard that uh, the Adult Swim Yule Log directed by Casper Kelly is a uh, secret cr- or secret christmas uh horror movie which i was uh pretty interested in and um i think you guys probably caught it before i did but uh yeah we'll start it there uh thank you randy for that seamless russell can you give uh, randy a round of applause what a seamless transition he made with very damn it i had holiday music queued up and my phone died (sighs) so randy you gotta wait hold on maybe it will work (laughs) hey there it is. For the uh, holiday bracket extravaganza where we're pitting our favorite <laughs> unknown holiday can't, horror You can't get movies. over the bracket, can you? <laughs> you just can't Again, let the bracket die. We brought in a 20-foot whiteboard. I had to buy a ladder so I could draw the brackets on it because we've got so many movies that are going to fight for your entertainment. That was pretty good. Oh, oh, too bad it came back. Damn. <laughs> the drop came in. <laughs> yeah, you log. All right, here's the deal. I think I found this out uh, because, you know, again, I am educated on the internet. <laughs> I'm out there. I'm tweeting. I'm gramming. I'm talking. I'm doing it all. I'm plugged in. I know what the kids are talking about. And they're still talking about Adult Swim, which is weird. Um, No, man, look, you tell me that Adult Swim 
dropped in a secret horror Christmas movie? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And then you tell me that it's it's uh, easily accessible on HBO Max, which I just uh, coincidentally just re-upped my subscription so that I could watch season two of White Lotus, which was very mad. But what are you going to do? You got caught up in the White Lotus. Can we just talk about White Lotus? It's not that good. Mike White, he's cool. But everybody who doesn't have a personality thinks that they watch White Lotus to get a personality. And too many boring white people like that show. And it's not that good. Randy, your thoughts? I agree. I only watched a couple episodes of the first season and I couldn't uh, stick with it. Although I sent you the uh, theme song for season two. You were not a fan, but I love it. I listen to it every day. Yeah, it's weird. Adult Swim, you log. Russell Fisher, what we have here is we open up for the first few moments of this film, a close-up of Log on fire with some Christmas music because that's what you do. You know, I think we've all done it. You know, we go to we go to the YouTube. Uh, even even if you go to any of your major streaming services, I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts if you go to any of your major streaming services, you can find some sort of Yule Log open hearth um, video. Now, I got to ask everybody here, does anybody actually have any tradition with the Yule Log? Like, did your family normally put it on or no, anything? No, we're fucking no. cool people, dude. No, no. Oksana? No. My mom... I just took a shit. For, oh my God, since I can remember, would play a Yule Log all the time. Um, what does that mean? She would have it on the TV, just playing music. Oh, the thing, the video. Yeah, thing. The sh- like actually, to, like before the internet or anything, there would be a channel... Or usually at night, a, a TV station would flip over and turn into a Yule Nog. Yeah. So as somebody who's, <laughs> I've hated these fucking things my whole life. And especially when it's on so long that the music starts looping. It's like you work in like a, a mall or something and you're just hearing Mariah Carey all day. Yep. And it, I mean, I really hate these things. So whenever there's like fandom around like taking down the Yule Log, I'm always very into it. And when I heard that, um, who, who was it that worked with Casper Kelly? Yeah. Now he's the dude that did, uh, like too many cooks, too many cooks, but he also did like squid billies. He's also credited for writing the cheddar goblin in Mandy. Yeah. Like he's a, he gets, it. he's a fun dude. Yeah. But he also plays a lot with, uh, found footage. And I'm like, dude, there's a perfect multimedia kind of curse that has been passed around through cultures and tradition. And I would love to see it um, flipped on its face. So, yeah, I I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you all thought. I'm I'm guessing Clark, you were into it. Randy, you're lukewarm. No pun intended. Sort of. Yeah, I I was really into it until the camera sort of like broke from the you know in world camera, so to speak. And then it got a little zanier, and I it got adult swimmy, and then that's when I kind of got out. <laughs> now wait are we going to spoil this thing we should give a warning i'd like not to okay that's fine if did you want to i don't know is I there ca- something if there's something you want to touch upon we you know again i would like to dig into it i love an offer i like the format a okay. lot but i also think that this might be new and not um advertised so people may not know well, about by the it. time it by the time that this comes out, you know, it'll be like a week and a half. You are correct. So, yeah, this won't know. be up till Thursday. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. Then. Yeah. Um, 
Because now here's the thing. Clark came down while we were watching it and he went, oh, hell yeah. And gave the hang 10. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, me, I'm an elitist contrarian and I know I'm very aware. And this made me turn on the movie immediately. I'm like, I'm going to fucking roast this movie. No pun intended. And um, can I tell you? Those vibes are very easy to sense from you. It's not hard at all to sense. No, well, okay. So also you wear it on your sleeve. You know, uh, just working with like a found footage film fest, like this kind of early on when this dropped immediately, everybody was talking about it. Everybody loves it. And I went in there and I'm like, okay, well, let me uh, ruin the fun for everybody because I can't help it. It's in my DNA. And at the end of the day, loyalty I, and royalties inside my DNA. Dude, me and uh, me and Clark and placenta. Me and Clark were talking in the kitchen and I was kind of giving it a rough treatment. And um, mostly that was smoke and mirrors, though. I, I did have a lot of fun with this. Thing. I know because you had again, anytime I can tell you when you come in with like your, your strong defenses, if you've got a house built on glass and sand, it's just going to crumble. Well, and that's what it was there. I mean, I think Randy has the best critique is if so the, the movie opens up and we're given a full song and a half uninterrupted of log burning which is the nightmare that i've uh, experienced solo apparently in this podcast and if you're going to commit through that then i'm like i'd really like to stick with that format now early on we jump back as the camera pulls out and it's fine it's operated by a person and then we get um which i think clark uh, astutely compared to a uh, moose head on the mantle yeah it's like that's the movie we showed at uh two three Two, I think. Two. Um, if you haven't seen it, maybe three. But you're into that kind of like very strict narrative form. Uh, we have a lot of similar themes going on here, like um, heritage, uh, family troubles through time, and I think comparing those two is beneficial because Moosehead on a Mantle is very steeped in lore and it's heady and it's hard to follow along with. Yeah. Um. This is not. And this is a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you're into this, then go check out Moose. It gives you a little bit of everything. Yeah. Which is kind of I, I kind of like being a no fun stick to the form and play around in parameters kind Hell of guy. Yeah. yeah. And this one, it gets kind of non sequitur with its storytelling. And I'm like, ah. if I had to. You know, be, be critical um, and I will. It's that, for the most part, I think that, the, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff succeeds on the sincerity of everything, right? Yeah. Of playing things straight. And when this movie succeeds, they're doing that very, very well. However, there's still, you know, some joke. They, they still do jokes. And I think that that can distract a little bit from it. Because I thought the ending, uh, the ending was, uh, was great. Yeah. It was effective. And just again, how they sprinkle in. I mean, yes, we are dealing with, um, you know, uh, prolonged systemic racism, as it were, to use all the buzzwords. And that, that's a part of it. And they, but how all of that is portrayed, it's like we touch on that, but we build on it in a way that is much more rounded than the straight blunt force trauma of, hey, we're going to introduce racism into this narrative, and then that's what this is going to be about. And it's not. 
and it's just one thing that they build upon because then they then they start picking apart characters and going into that and and about you know again you, like you said that you you go into you know sort of um hereditary level analysis of of each character to a certain extent and uh it's a very thoughtful breakdown and um you know, introducing the character through the fireplace and bringing in, what did you think about that? And when, when we went to that direction where we had this little demon inside this fireplace telling people to come inside the fire. And then that's where we start going into adult swim town. I think, I think, well, you know, the staple, like the, the, uh, tour in, um, Casper Kelly is he's got this storytelling, um, style where it's kind of like he's always introducing a new element of a thing so like in too many cooks it's like you know we're already hooked in on the intros of many uh shows throughout the decades and then we take a genre turn and we're in space right and it's like now we're doing star trek and right there when you're kind of exploring that with him then he'll take another note and move away and that's what drives me crazy is like in this film we're doing the log. But then we're doing a like stage play drama that's in world camera. Then we're doing a horror movie invasion film. Then it's a slasher film. Then it turns into a paranormal thing. Then there's a guy in the fireplace pulling. And it's like, but the look of the film changes every time that yeah. we change. Yeah. And I, and that's perfect. And I think that if you don't have that, it's going to be far more confusing. Yeah, I think it just comes down to like Shyamalan storytelling where it's like, is the ending a surprise or is it more like a Hitchcockian where we start where we began and it feels more like a full kind of um, like a graphic novel as opposed to an ever ongoing comic book series. And I feel like these could spiral forever. And I just the type of audience member I am, I tend to get a little like. Like, I'm like, I don't know, I want to be invested in the horror movie element here but I don't know if we're ever going back. You know what I mean? But in this one, he does kind of tighten it up. Yeah. And I mean, it is a real feature. And uh, I ended up really liking the fireplace guy who gets offended when his land is referred to as hell. True. He also, also, he does not have Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I, I thought you would love that where he had some weird... a nurse nutmeg. You know, the thing about the races, I love a nurse nutmeg. I thought the like, a uh, note to like race was pretty interesting because stepping away from this film and thinking about like, what are we doing here? And you know, whenever I watch a found footage movie, I'm thinking, why is it in world camera? And there's something hypnotic about watching a fire. And I think uh, if you've ever been camping or if you've ever had a fireplace and lit it and actually sat down and looked at it, you kind of, it's very freeing mentally. And I'm like, well, you could look at this whole movie as a like, Hey, I'm here with my family and I'm thinking about aliens and a slasher and I'm fantasizing about a little man living in here. And it's kind of just like a thought adventure. And I'm like, that makes sense to me. But then also like, you know, the relationship we're dealing with is a uh, white dude and a black girl and just the age we're living in race. Like, even if, even if you claim you don't see color or if you claim that that's the most racist thing you can say, it's uh, something that would come up. So it kind of like interjects into the thought. And I think they actually have a pretty nuanced approach to it. Like even in the ugly past, there's still like an element of romance. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like how the, uh, the devil type character living in the fireplace 
talks about presentism. Yeah. Because that's a real thing. And I get so tired of people like, you know, the third wave of Lovecraft, where it's just like, he's a racist, don't read anything. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if you look at art that way, then you're not going to have anything in your collection. And uh, I, I think the, I don't know, there's a lot of cool ideas in here. It felt that part. Because he's like, well, just think, of, he's like, I can see the future. And guess what? People are going to be looking at you eating bacon. Oh, you're driving a car. How do you power that car? And it's kind of like, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I just loved it that he was, you know, the, the you know, this sort of conduit to hell. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when the, the, the stoner character comes in there, uh, who was great, by the way, and his demise is maybe one of my favorite parts well, of the movie. Hold on, because the, the host, there's something important there. Yeah. He's very uh, Rod Sterling. Well, he's, he, he, you know, he has this very uh, Southern genteel uh, aura about him. He, you know, he has the uh, the Colonel Sanders KFC bolo yep. tie and, uh, oh, come on into the fire. But like his uh, cinematic presence makes him feel like a 50s TV host. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, if you were going to take down Rod Sterling because of the era he grew up in, You'd be completely wrong because he's actually one of the more progressive voices yeah. who got a lot done. Who so smoked I, five packs a day. Right. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. There's a good, you know, you could take him to, oh, he was a fucking nicotine addict. Well, I felt like that guy got offended because he was aware of that. Where it's like, hey, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like people are going to look at you all fucked up in the future too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The whimsy that turned off Randy initially was kind of losing me. But then I don't know. I found kind of. Even the dumb humor, like when an alien shows up and we, so most of this cast, uh, we have a, what was it? A barbarian situation happen here. And I want to touch on that because I wanted to know if you felt any sort of uh, a Trump narrative coming from that. Not at all. I'll tell you. Not the way that he looked and not that mask. Oh, he had Trump hair. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just, there was no allusion to anything like that. There's, there certainly was no, uh, oh, you know, go to the doctor. Audio, get that virus removed from your brain. No, no, no. Look, I'm saying, <laughs> look at it. Look at it again. Look at it again. I mean, I get it, but you could. I mean, God, the mind virus is there. Cultural, uh, cultural homogeny, right? Sure. So I feel like any white rich guy narrative can be folded sure. into a Trump thing. Sure. And I thought that. It and was I more, think that's what we got here. Well, I think that Slasher was more, um, he he was a burnt dude. Something was going on with that face, right? Yeah. And so he was just wearing like a Ken doll cutout. Look at it again. I took it more in a holiday approach because it was a holiday film. So I thought it was more of a like materialistic kind of like, this is what a dude should look like. Which nobody on the cast did, by the way. What did you think about his mother? Oh, she was great. Yeah. I actually thought she was kind of attractive. The scene in the kitchen. So when she was being a little bit rapey, I was like, dude, you can fake this, man. Like, just go with it. (laughs) Am I the only one thinking that? Clean her up a little bit. No, because if you say that, you die. If you're like, hey, I'd be into this, but you got to go brush your teeth. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's how you do it. It's how you do it. You make her feel special. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Make her feel special. You got it. You're like, you know, you this could really work. 100%. You got to brush the hair. If you can't, if you can't change a woman's mind about her looks, what's, what are you even doing? I don't know. I felt like make she, her feel pretty. She didn't feel as like lost. She she was driven. She had a clear motive. When he said, "What do you want?" She had an answer. 
she already knew that like you can't do anything for me and because because her existence <laughs> is solitary. No, her she has exi- a son, which is her existence. Yeah, is to serve and and keep him. Her exist. She is the Jislaine Maxwell of oh this situation. <laughs> Jislaine had to go out. If you remember from last week's wonderful episode, which is I haven't listened to, she'd go out there and try to curry favor with these children to go feed this demon three times a day. That's what this woman's doing. Her job is to try to get a child from her rapey Trumpian son who just kills the women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've had some wild theories on here, but uh I have some wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll no, tell you so- I'll, I'll tell you guys one thing I did really like about this movie. Give it to me. The use of split screen I thought was great to show sort of like the uh you know, the history of that space and that location and how like it looked different, but it was also like perfectly like framed where like the fireplace was like exactly the same. Yeah. And honestly, I know that there's a barbarian situation with the Airbnb, but it kind of reminded me of like the sequence of barbarian where they like go back and they show like the 1980s version of that street and that house. Um, or I think like a ghost story kind of does it too, where they show like how history is passed in this location. But I thought the way that they kind of like used split screen uh, in this was really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, thanks for pointing that out because I feel like that kind of helps my like Rod Sterling thing where the dude's like, Hey man, fuck you. The shit is all the same. Like culture might be different and you might think you're different, but like people have been people for ever, you know, since we've been under the sun kind of thing. And that actually does really show like, I mean, maybe the uh, domestic struggle in the black and white era was a little bit different. But those kids playing cowboy who just found a knife, like, yeah, there's not a lot going on there. And I, w- I should say, I love a fucking magic item in a movie. Sure. And that knife, whenever you illustrate, magic marker, whenever you illustrate why a, a weapon or an item should be supernaturally imbued, uh, if you do a good job, I'm completely on board. And I thought it was a good way to make that very old seeming knife, which had rust, which might be blood have a kind of like a haunting effect to it. I don't know. I mean, I really dug this movie. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. I've heard that a lot. I love it. Um, yeah. And I, I think, God damn, Randy, you're right. That, um, the different eras caught through the film. Yeah. It's an interesting thing too, because you know, like the fire burning is kind of like an internal, uh, representation of like the infinite kind of thing, like looking into a flame. And so is the electric eye. So I felt like there was something there about them looking at each other. And the fact that like, oh, I record fires and put them on YouTube. It kind of feels like you're taming something that's like primeval and you shouldn't be sharing it because maybe the fire is looking back at you, which they literally do in the movie. Yeah. When they're traveling through the fireplaces like that feels like kind of a throwaway dumb idea. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, you look into the abyss and it's looking back at you. And uh, if you start daydreaming about how your life could have been different, you know what I mean? Like that's a dangerous road to go down. And you know, with your stoner boy, he kind he of said, falls. See you later, boy. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, I now, mean, dude, it's good. Now, Randy, when this movie took a turn, and when we start going into Quentin Depew territory uh, with uh, you know haunted inanimate objects. Uh, what did you think? Because I immediately got very excited because I love uh, a haunted object. 
I don't know. Like I said earlier, it was just a little too goofy for me. I still overall dug the experience <laughs> of it. It's like a, it's a three and a half for me. I overall liked it. I just wish they would have, uh, I'm like Russell. I would have been a, uh, more of a fan of it if they were as stuck to the rules of the first like 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. I, I feel like it's harder to like stick in those parameters than for sure. to just blow them out, which is why, you know, the Marvel multiverse shit. I'm like, this is so boring. Randy, you're supposed to be a punk kid. Dude. <laughs> like fuck rules. No, hold on. You referred to the, uh, I'm guessing the log as a haunted yeah. object. I would, I would, uh, redefine that as possessed because you know, I, I didn't feel like, yeah, well, yeah. because yeah, they got the whole thing there at the end. Yeah, with the sheriff, I I enjoyed that. Also, perfect casting. But if you if you want to tie this into Jelaine Maxwell and like Trumpian thought, right? So now, whenever I, I think, tie everything back to those two things, whenever I think of Trump now, I don't care how you felt four years ago about him. How you feel about him now kind of tells who you are. Hey, by the way, what's your plans for Jan Six issue? I don't, dude. <laughs> They're coming together nicely. I'll okay, tell you. all right. Well, next episode. No, but here's the thing. I feel like now, if you're like a forever Trumper now. Which clearly he's not even gonna whatever it doesn't matter. I feel like now you're kind of culty and you're you're definitely in the Q vibe. Yeah. So I felt like at the end of that it may actually no because they weren't related. I think we're looking at domestic relationships that are toxic with the mom and the son, and then I think we're looking at cultism uh, conjuring up the demons of racism when a couple of mixed race hadn't even considered it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we hit on a lot of things here and that's why I give it four and a half. But mind you, it's two, it's two fucking white guys that come in and start throwing the race card around. Sure. When it's like, Hey, these guys, hey, maybe they're not in, you know, perfect harmony right now, but they're together. So they don't need you coming and preaching about this shit. Yeah. Clearly when it's only using to like to drive a wedge in between them. Um, the one note I did want to mention is that, uh, the podcast group, that shows up in the barbarian oh, situation. Yeah. They have an alien podcast. And one of my favorite moments of this movie is when um, an alien appears. Now, if you haven't seen the thing, you knew this was going to happen. It's one of my complaints about it is uh, y- you just know everything's <clears throat> on the table at a certain point, And you're like, okay, everything is going to pay off. And when the alien shows up, which is actually kind of like a fifties looking alien. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Back when aliens were just violent for yeah, no reason. It was a greaser alien. Yeah, it was just mean. Like in the old sci-fi movies. He, yeah, he had his uh, cigarettes in his shirt pocket. Which, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, the presentism here is our main character, you know, he overanalyzes everything. If aliens were going to come here, it's for resources. Why would they develop light travel just to show up and eat our brains, right? Well, the 50s didn't think that way. So when this alien showed up and was clearly intimidating and meant harm, I love how the surviving member of the podcast went, oh, that's a silver alien. They're the most dangerous. Like, (laughs) not missing a beat. Totally, I had completely forgotten about their dumbass podcast. That was like a gut laugh for me. I loved it. Also, that actress, completely distracting with her cleavage hanging out the whole entire (laughs) fucking movie. Was I the only one? Uh, No, I enjoyed it. Dude, I'm just (laughs) like, my gut. Oksana's laughing. Am I wrong? (laughs) No. I was just like, my God, put those away. Hey, hey, she was, she had reason to be proud. Here's the thing. I have a newborn in my arms who the only thing he does is sleep and eat. With those on screen, I'm like, okay, he's just going to be hungry all night. Oh, hungry time. (laughs) (laughs) Although with those, yeah, he's just going to be, it's like he's uh, sucking an inflatable pool. 
Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> sucking an inflatable uh, a pool uh, thing. What they called oh, inner tube. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. It's already a long episode. We're not even <laughs> fucking halfway. All right. Well, I mean, do you have anything else to add? I think I hit everything. On your log? No. Yeah. Uh, five stars. I just upped it. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm with Randy on the whimsy kind of feels like, man, you had something cool here and now you're just playing without the rules and you could have played with the rules and it would have been better for it. But there's a lot of thought in everything. And, uh, you know, for what superficially might feel a little bit preachy, I think it's actually really nuanced. So, yeah, no, I, it's great. I think I, I, I think I'm at a five, too. Oh, baby. Randy, watch it again. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I also saw another Christmas film because I knew Randy was not going <laughs> to deliver. And so I went to, uh, I believe this is uh, www.amazon.com. Oh, I've never heard you of familiar it. you familiar with this? Uh, our Lord and Savior, Jeff Bezos. Uh, this film is from 1972, ladies and gentlemen, from director Curtis Harrington. I'm talking about who slew Auntie Rue? Or whoever slew Auntie Rue. So, Russell John, if you were to go to the imdb.com website, which means the Internet Movie Database, uh, this film is entitled Whoever Slew Auntie Rue, but the poster says Who Slew Auntie Rue, which works way more. That's, that's a cleaner title, right? Yeah. Who Slew Auntie Rue? Not whoever slew Auntie Rue. Is it Rue. grammatically correct? Uh, I, th I would go who you wouldn't go whom? No, not whom, <laughs> whom slew, whom slew Andy room. <laughs> no, I would say whom slew Mandy room. <laughs> okay. To make that rhyme. Okay. Cause rhyme supersedes yeah. grammar. Whom it, has a rhythm to it. it you, you really yes. do want to rhyme it. Yeah. Oh, what are you fucking, uh, Gloria Estefan over there did? <laughs> Whoa, I don't get that. You said two things in songs that she says. So oh, okay. Just roll with it. Placenta. Falls <laughs> to the floor. And lightning. A demented widow lures unsuspecting children into her mansion in a bizarre Hansel and Gretel twist. I was curious if you were going to read that, because is that a spoiler in the fucking... It's, no, no. Let me explain something to you. It's Hansel and Gretel. Oh, okay. So much so to where... Things are happening in the movie, and one of the little British boys is keeps quoting lines from <laughs> the novel as a part of the VO. Okay. To keep us on track uh -huh. of this Hansel and Gretel narrative. Uh, I want to be very clear. This movie is far better than any than it needs to be. I had a I I enjoyed this. Uh, this is a PG 13 movie. In 1972, which I don't think is a thing, but it says it's PG-13. I don't think that came out till, I don't think they did PG-13 until like the 80s. So I don't know what this retroactive bullshit is, uh, but I can tell you right now, it's a, it's a soft, uh, you, know, you can, you can see this with kids. I mean, kids are 90% of this movie. Um, it's a lot of British children. So you take... <laughs> You give me British children in the 1970s, I'll probably watch it. Um, they're just, it's very, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. 
that's what you feel. And you certainly, because this takes place at roughly in the 1920s, right? So what we have here is a very wealthy American woman who lives in this uh, expansive Victorian hellscape in England. And every Christmas Eve, she invites, she handpicks 10 orphans in the village to come and spend Christmas Eve night with her. And then on Christmas morning, they come and get the presents. So all the little ragamuffins, all the little oh, gutter dude. snipes in the village are very excited about this because guess what? It's their golden ticket. It, sounds, it feels more like Neverland than Charlie's Chocolate Factory. Well, so what happened, uh, and the movie actually kind of opens up with this, is that Shelley Winters, uh, it plays Miss Forrest in this. Uh, Shelley Winters, it, she does a great job. She's, she's crushing it here. And she plays a woman who lost it. She lost a daughter. Now, Russell and, and, and Oksana and, and, and Randy and, and everyone listening here, uh, they actually show the scene where the daughter met her demise. Oh, I thought you meant she like walked off into the woods. Oh, no. Like, she, well, we can't find her. She fell, uh, let's call it eight feet off a staircase and died immediately. <laughs> Blood coming out of her eyes. Dude, wait. It's rated PG or PG thirteen. Because, dude, look, I don't know if Oksana, you can pull up this poster whenever this hits YouTube in the far future. But there's one of the ads for this thing is at Aunt Rue's house. The hand that rocks the cradle has no flesh on it. Yeah, and it's like a bone hand, dude, rocking tight. a dead baby dude, in a how cradle. And look, and 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 right next to the title, "Who Slew Auntie Rue," is a butcher's uh, cleaver. Uh, decapitating a children's teddy bear. And there's lots of blood. Yes. PG-13. How did you find this movie and how did you know it was holiday related? Because I did a little Randy stat uh, Googles. <laughs> Randy does duck, duck, go. I did a little duck, duck, go. Oh. Did a little bang. Did a little last chief. Did a little silk road. And it was good? Dude, I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's there's money in this thing. Um, the house is this enormous Victorian palatial hellscape. It, it oh god, you know, Russell. It's it, all right. Here's the thing. While watching this, also, I highly recommend to watch this. Okay. Uh, this is a this is a fine. Now, how did how did you watch it? Amazon. Amazon. What, through Shutter or just on Amazon? Just on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, it's a free rental. Um, the horror in this mostly comes from, you know, the 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 children running away from the crazy lady okay. aspect of it. And that's fun. And it's been a while since I've seen like Same. a kids versus an adult movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And... They and the other thing is, is like they really did a good job of of honoring and, you know, really kind of sticking to that very traditional um, and familiar uh, rather uh, narrative of Hansel and Gretel. They she had a giant wood stove there and uh, I won't tell you how it ends, but uh, it's like quite Hansel fun. And Gretel. Well, yeah, they burn. <laughs> yeah. Um, they burn. And it's actually quite funny because uh, she she lost her daughter, right? The daughter fell eight stories, <laughs> just dead. 
And uh, the woman decides, shows she keeps the body in a coffin. And the body is slowly uh, decomp, as very well taken place. So anytime that she wants to take her dead daughter out of her box, she wears an all-black morning uh, funeral garb and goes into the little toy room, pulls out this child's coffin, and then you see this, you know, uh, decomposating, you know, human corpse. And I'll tell you, if I were to watch this movie as a child, it would have destroyed me towards the end of the movie where she 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 slowly, very gently uh, brushes her daughter's, uh, you know, barely face. Um, <laughs> and it just crumbles into dust. Uh, that would have destroyed me as a seven-year-old watching this. Uh, so maybe don't watch the kids. But, um, man, so much fun. And it's... Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of blood here. Uh, you know, it, this is a, a a pretty fairly tame yet impressively entertaining for what it is film. And I really like the stuff they did um with the kids. Uh both of them were great. Uh the little boy, he starts hamming it up there at the end and uh, has a great little line which I'll I'll leave you to. And he, uh, when he burns Auntie Rue up, he has a great line <laughs> and, uh, man, it's fun. It's fun. I did. I honestly, when I was telling you about it this morning, you were like, Oh, sounds boring. You're not wrong. Yeah. But whenever you have a title, whoever, who slew Auntie Rue, they delivered. This is fun. And I think this is a nice little, uh, secret Christmas movie. I am. Um, I'm definitely going to pitch it for Christmas when we're over my mom's. <laughs> it sounds up around. She gets kind of like. She uh, so she came over to babysit while we're we're like recording right now, and my sister came with her. And my sister was kind of complaining that I also was watching a horror movie when she showed up. And she's like, "Mom, you watch too many horror movies." But yet, when I go over there, I'll pitch a horror movie, and she always turns them down. Yeah, but because this is old. It looked like it's black and white too, right? Oh no, it's not. No, okay, no, no. A lot Be of beautiful color. Oh shit! Okay, I think I could get away with it if I sell it as like, what year? Seventy-two. Seventy. Yeah, I could probably get away with it. Uh, it looks great. Sounds cool. It looks I'm great. Into it. Um. Oh, there was one more thing I was well, gonna mention. Also, what's important is I think um, you know, last week when we were talking about our holiday mm. ball brawl bracket, that uh, Maniac Cop Two not count, which you know William Lustig said that he set. Maniac Cop 2 in the holidays for lighting. He's like, dude, it's so easy to get good backlighting when you have holiday lights everywhere. And really, there's no, you know, we don't really talk about the holidays. It's not really boiled into the script at all. And I took that to heart when I was thinking of my choices this year. And I think you nailed it with this one. The kind of like orphan children looking for like a family experience, but it's it's rot because it's not real. Yeah. And it's it's based in materialism. Which, you know, I doubt they're meeting with Auntie Rue because she's a great role model, especially the way the it turns out. Yeah, and also, yeah, and again, how how it all ends um, is very fun as well. So um, is it better than Freeway 2? I never saw Freeway 2. You've never seen Confessions of a Trick Baby? I know, I haven't. I know, I know. Dude, Randy, have you? No, I don't think I've seen Freeway 1. Oh, for, have you seen Freeway with Queefer Sutherland? I've not seen Freeway. And Witherspoon? No. Okay, do a double feature. 
Uh, the first one is a little. Um, I can I tell you, I am so sick of her. Here, here's the thing. It's '90s movie. It feels very IFC '90s, which is kind of cool. I like IFC, but they do a uh, Red White Riding Hood thing boiled in, hey, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Number two, hood. Freeway Two, Confessions of a Trick Baby. I know about the freeway, which I've talked about on here, I is know. a Hansel and Gretel story that is bonkers. It's fantastic. Not holiday though. Did you? Was that enough stalling? Did you think your last point? Yes, uh, I it because I didn't start. I didn't complete it when I because I, I wanted to tell you earlier in that, but we went on a sidetrack. That's fine. I just wanted to say that at the beginning of this, I'm not saying that this movie. There are certain areas of this movie, Russ, that reminded me of Tourist Trap. I almost brought that up, but too. it's it's very very different. The tone is is different. Um, now, you, what you do have is a maniacal, uh, crazy person as the villain who has lost all sense of reality. That is what you do have, cool. and you may or you don't have the um, telekinetic, uh, supernatural <laughs> aspect. Dude, um, she's got to get some radiation or something. She needs the power as much. Um, she's got the ultimate power, though money. She's got that. Money. <laughs> she's got that money, but she's stingy with it. So, which also could—I mean, honestly—look if the, if that's a narrative they're going into in 1972, good for them because they could be going into a same narrative which we touched about in season two of White Lotus, and that is about being house rich and cash poor. Oh my god! So she could be house rich and cash poor. Yeah, that's what we need: fiscal conservatism. <laughs> hey, there we go. You need to learn how to hey, hold on your. I want to be very clear. I would fucking love to be house rich and cash poor, <laughs> just for the record. Cause fuck that house. There you make some cash. What the fuck are you bitching about? Well, I think fuck it's... this fucking house rich <laughs> shit. Fucking hey, cry me a river. Good pick. I mean, honestly, I think you sold me on it, dude. I let me tell you something. It was a hard sell. Yeah, I may have oversold it. I had a good time. <laughs> a good time. Well, I don't know. You painted the picture of like an old, like I'm imagining a 50s movie where there's a lot of children. They kind of are chewing up the scenery. And then there's a mean lady in the background. And then they yeah. come together. Again, set low. I, I, again, when you have no expectations, life is fun. <laughs> Truly. And that's what it was with this thing. Because I do like. Children. There is something, even though the movie takes place in, you know, 1920s you still get that very 1970s, cold, desolate, English, industrial look. Cool. And that desolate feeling that you feel at the beginning of um, Charlie and Chocolate, Charlie and Chocolate <laughs> Baby. <laughs> Which right. is still like, it still haunts me to this day. You know that, yeah, it's just that, that, that you know that the, the overcast and the gloom. There's no hope. Everyone has bad teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they love they love their sweets. <laughs> it's very it's very fun. Who's Lou Anti Rope? All right, my turn. Yes, sir. All right, I'll be. Uh, you know, I just want to say if you've been listening for all nearly 400 episodes of this show, thank you. We appreciate your time. I know I'm not always the most considerate of it, but I will try to be today. I have one, two, three movies. Not that bad. Ooh, we three kings of Orient. Um, two of them I'm going to wrap together. The three wise men. The three wise men. So your gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not quite. Frederick? Uh, you know, I'd have to count the Yule log in there at some point. 
But I did think it was interesting. The movies I'm going to talk about were from Another Hole in the Head, the closing one. They're online still. Actually, not by the time this airs. Ignore that. Uh, then I'm going to go to Tubi, then to YouTube. Then we had HBO Max with the Yule Log. And then uh, my last one I watched on Shudder. So these are all available. The first one, we're going to be quick here, is the 2000, <laughs> the 2022 masterpiece, Nutcracker Massacre. Oh. Um, that's a joke. Stay away from this movie. The warning sign they gave you was ITN uh, popped up as one of the distribution companies. Ding dong ditch. Here's the thing. I understand. We do a podcast. We talk about horror movies. I wanted to watch something that people weren't watching. I wanted to watch a holiday film. I knew the cover would turn off most people because they have good sense. But Terrell was willing to hang out and jump into a Tubi movie. And uh, we ended up with Nutcracker Massacre, uh, directed by a woman, which is probably the problem here. Uh, The Nutcracker does not do a massacre. This is the Mm. number one fucking thing every goddamn time. Every time. And I am, dude, you put massacre in the title, you're almost guaranteed anything but. Yep. And it's just like, I just wanted to see this fucking stupid Nutcracker kill people. I wasn't asking for anything else. You know what I got? A long, long apartment style chamber drama about some bitch being cheated on by this dude that we all knew the minute he walked on camera was cheating. Aren't you into that? No, because it was so boring. God, it was so boring. (laughs) But if it's done well, you're into that. Wait, what did we, did we watch a movie before this? Um, Yeah, we watched Nightmare on Elm Street. We, remake. you know what? I forgot about that. We revisited the uh, remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh-huh. Um, Terrell again uh, joined me, and we said we could do this together. We're both curious. I've been playing a lot of Dead by Daylight, and of course, in the IP wars in the multiverse world, the only rights you can get is to the remake, Freddy. So he shows up in Mortal Kombat. He's in Dead by Daylight. He has a level in Dead by Daylight, and they do a great job kind of capturing the film. And it meant nothing to me. So I'm like. You know, maybe we should watch it again and give it another try. It's bad. I'll tell you that right now. Mm. Um, poor storytelling. They really ruined Freddy. Completely forgot I watched that movie already. Followed it up with Nutcracker Massacre, which we thought it's going to be fun. It was so boring. That's all I got to say about this movie. <laughs> hour 20 minutes long, hour 26 minutes long, felt like three days worth of content. Nothing happens, including kills. I think three people die. And it's off camera. Dude, there's one moment. The only thing I'll remember is this six foot tall nutcracker thing that looks fucking dumb is standing next to a tree. And there are two people sitting in there having a conversation. One of them points to the nutcracker. I don't know why. I think it might have been like an item passed down from generation to generation. But they're just remarking on the nutcracker. And there's a crosscut with the nutcracker. It's clearly a dude standing there. He's swaying. You know how it's hard to just stand still? He's moving in the frame. And they're just remarking on like, oh, man. It's so old and blah, blah. And I'm like, this. the reality, there's no chance of immersion here. Also, when it kills people, it does a kind of like reveal, like its face changes. And it's just in a hard cut. Yeah. So you look at him, cut to the person going, oh, no, cut back. And now its mouth is open full of fangs. I fucking, you know what? I hated this movie. One star. <laughs> um, Thank you, ITN. Again, uh, if you want to watch that garbage, it's on Tubi. Then I followed it up. Well, actually, we watched Bones and All, too. Oh, yeah. Um, just just for you guys, just to let you know, I think that might be a perfect film. That's how you make a movie. It's a slice of life. 
there's horror elements. They didn't have to be there, but it enhanced the whole thing. Mark Rylant shows so up. beautifully acted and um, just captured in the frame. I, I really love that movie. What'd you think of Sully? I thought uh, um, the director of Halloween was great in it too. Yeah, he's so good. But also, I just want to give you guys something to think about. If you remove cannibalism with some uh, sexual trauma, that movie takes on a different life. And I think it might be what it's touching, or it might just be adolescent kind of like uh, I'm learning life. I think it's open for interpretation. Oh, for sure. Which and, is great. And but the thing is, when you when you ad lib that or do a mad, what do they call it? Mad lib? Mad libs. When you mad lib what cannibalism is standing for, no yeah. matter what you put in there, it changes the landscape of everything. Yeah. So like if it's just an adolescent, it's like, I hate my parents. And then you're driving around, you meet two dudes who are on the same level as you. They don't have to do anything. You're just like, this isn't right. <laughs> you shouldn't be seeing eye to eye with me. Fantastic. Loved it. Well, uh, dude, I just think it's about cannibalism. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> um, getting jokes. Uh, so after the Nutcracker Massacre, I was like, that can't be my holiday movie. No. It can't be. No. And, you know, you're not Randy. Much like the tradition of the six foot tall man in a Nutcracker suit. Tall man. We have a tradition on this show. And it's, you know, we're Kicking so ass. edgy. We're so fucking edgy. Santa, he's the Aunt Rue. He's offering gifts, but it's, it's all hollow. Nobody really wants to get to know Santa. Right. So we want to flip it. We want to get the yin-yang. What yep. did you say earlier? Yin-yang. Y- yin-yang. So we needed the yang, which of course is the uh, Swedish version of uh, Santa. Krampus. Oh. The problem is Krampus. people got bored with Krampus as they realized uh, we weren't really moving past the titular film Krampus in quality. But thank God, YouTube, they'll put anything out. And if you've got a channel that can, I don't know what kind of deals they're making, but if you can get the rights to a movie and just launch it, they'll put up anything. So I'm not sure what channel it's on. It's not Kings of Horror. I think it's called like V something. Do you know, Oksana? Mm-mm. What YouTube channel? Yeah, it's not Kings of Horror. But they put out a movie, uh, what, a week ago called Return of Krampus. The return of Krampus. When Lisa and her friends go looking for answers behind her brother's mysterious death, they discover he was a victim of the infamous Christmas demon. That's a weird way to set that movie up. As um, much like Clark's film, what? So the IMDb description actually says infamous Christman demon? Oh, it does. It says Christman demon. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a note. There's a nod to the quality you're going to get. Um, man, it's again, another warning before this movie started ITN once again. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I'll tell you right now. Krampus looks fucking stupid. (laughs) He looks really dumb. This time we don't get a cutaway to him, like open mouth or anything. He just talks through a closed mask. It, the kills are also terrible. They're off camera. Mm -hmm. There's at least blood. It's better than Nutcracker Massacre. Because it didn't advertise the massacre and then not deliver. Yeah. Also, there's a subplot with a um, streetwalker. Who, uh, Lazar. Oxen, I got to ask you. That girl was far too pretty to be working a desolate street in like Britain or something, right? Yeah, it was some like rural road. She was in front of a house. <laughs> yeah, but she looked like a uh, high price Vegas prostitute. Yeah. Who yeah. got into a car with the dude who was being incredibly rude to her. Drove her out to a cabin that was dressed up like he was a five-year-old living in a gingerbread house. Sure. And she was just like, okay, this is fine. Then she started getting weird out when he, he slept on like a cot. 
I'm like, okay, how have you survived as a streetwalker at all? Um, well, her life ended that night. Spoiler alert. I know. Uh, this movie's Gone fucking, fucking stupid. Um, wow, I thought it was more memorable. And now I'm thinking about it. It's pretty much like the other one. There's a lot of family drama. Uh, they sprinkle in a couple of kills. There's a cheating boyfriend. And uh, yeah, bada bing, bada boom. There was a spell book that was Ooh. supposed to banish the Krampus. Um, it, honestly, I'll tell you this. The prop. One of the most disturbing looking books. Now, that might seem weird considering that, like, you know, the Evil Dead, the Necronomicon's made of human flesh. Sure. Or um, what was that movie we really liked where they had the Necronomicon, they brought it to that uh, gymnasium and they all got together and were trying Anything to. Anything for Jackson. Yeah. That one had a really cool Anything book, too. Anything for Jackson. But that's the problem. Like, you know, when you're trying to do like a heavy metal attire or something, those aesthetics kind of become. I don't know, homogenized and they don't feel threatening anymore. That's when you get Baphomet showing up at H&M. The thing that was disturbing about this book is our character pulls it off a shelf and it was clearly very heavily water damaged. Now, if you've ever had a book that's water damaged, the first thing you might think of is the aroma. I've got a brain that's water damaged. (laughs) It's dude, heavy mold. Yeah, it's no good. Curly pages. No, bye-bye. That was more disturbing to me than any fake human binding. Like any fucking real human binding. Yeah. A water damaged book like defeats me on many levels. It molds, molds, molds bad. So shout out to the prop department who said, you know what? Just throw it in the toilet and then we'll use it. Yeah, good job. Uh, it, it was the most impactful thing about your movie. Um, thankfully. Toilet book. Not last. Definitely. Well, it is last, not least. Actually, this is a movie that I've been sleeping on forever. I'm a huge franchise horror fan. I talked about pitching horror movies to my family and uh, my mom turning them down every year. There was one year she didn't turn it down. It was the year we watched Silent Night, Deadly Night. Now, I did have a Greek choir I call my family who were just like, why are we watching this? Now, this is this is the, the biggest franchise holiday horror. Yes. Maybe. There's like seven of them. Five? Five. Yeah, yeah but uh, they're not highly regarded. No. One and two have kind of like a grindhouse legacy, um, but they do the the one sin that I hate in film. It's reused footage. Uh, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Sometimes you got Al Adamson, R.I.P. Well, I fucking hate it, man. And especially it's when economical. Yeah, but it's, it's not good. I really think it's one of the most vile things you can do when making a movie. And I watch Charlotte's Net. And, um, yeah. you know, Deathstalker. My God, I love Deathstalker. Dude, how many times are you going to show that footage of the dude being dragged by the horse? And then they recontextualize it, which I give them points for, but I fucking hate it. It makes me angry. So I've never actually gone through the whole franchise. But when we were filming Blu-ray Tuesday this week with Terrell, he brought out a new Blu-ray collection they've released. And he kind of he talked about them a little bit. And there's this one movie that I've always heard was so good. It's a straight to video fifth installment called Silent Night, Deadly Night um, 5, The Toy Maker. Now, this movie lived on in early internet for me. I remember reading blogs about it because it's just one of those movies that nobody ever really watched. What year? Uh, 91. Okay. So it's got that very 80s vibe. Right before Jurassic Park. Dude, one of the best covers. Like, if you can pull that up on your computer, look at it. Such a good cover. Silent Night, Deadly Night 5? Yeah. Um, an elderly toy maker and his son make killer toys designed to kill their customers, children. 
wow, I did not expect that to be the synopsis, which doesn't matter if you haven't watched it. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you've heard about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this one. So it's available in shutter. Oh, what um, a lovely poster. If you want to watch it, it's good, dude. And to get back to your point of not including maniac cop too, I'm like, I really think true holiday horror should embody some element of the holiday. And this one, we really hit it all. We're at home. Uh, there's materialism, which is a favorite, but there's a lot of generational horror here. And uh, in the cast, we have a young kid, probably eight, 10. Then we have a teenager. And then we have a 20 something who appears out of nowhere and is a father all of a sudden. Um, this film's fantastic. Uh, I thought it was like brilliantly shot. It's got that kind of like quality that you don't find anymore in low budget where, you know, we're revisiting movies from the eighties and the nineties. And we're like, Hey, the cinematographer knew what he was doing. You got that here. Also, this is what I thought you'd be most interested in. This is like the Halloween three of the franchise, right? Yeah. Or like the uh, Friday, the 13th part five or nightmare on Elm street part two. It's like the weird one that yeah. people kind of latch onto. Um, Our uh, Texas Chainsaw Next Generation. Next Generation. Yeah, it's the weird one. Like it doesn't follow the franchise at all. Yeah, we're doing something completely different here. And um, what we're doing is we open up. There are parents fucking. The little kid sees them. Hell yeah. Instantly, he's like, uh, "I'm not old enough to be into this." Quick question, Randy, did you ever see your uh, parents fuck? Not once. <laughs> Damn, it's very disappointing. Russ, you? Uh, I don't know. I, th I think I heard it before. I definitely have heard noises. I don't think I've yeah. honestly, maybe I did. Oh, I don't know. You blocked it out. Like, you know, 90% of the movies you see. Maybe that might be a self-defense mechanism. too. hundred percent. Don't want to see mommy fucking. <laughs> okay. Um, so, <laughs> so in this movie, he goes downstairs, he opens the front door and there's a present addressed to him. I believe Clark, you saw all this. I did. So he starts opening it like a ravenous little eight year old. And then his dad comes down, which has got kind of like Al Bundy, but real life vibes to him. And he's just actually, he looks a lot like my uncle Butch, which I think that paints enough of a picture. Um, he also looks like character actor Ted Levine. Yeah. I mean, he's like a fit dude. He's got like a balding pattern. He's got that kind of traditional, what we would call now toxic uh, dad vibe. Oh yeah. And he's just like, go to your room. What the fuck? Actually, he's not even really mean or anything. Well, he's he like, picks up his entire body. He does pick him up. And is shirtless. <laughs> and the way it's framed is a little threatening. Well, it's a, that's how you paint a fucking picture. I'm just telling when you. When you're making a genre film, this sure. is what I want. Sure. So then the kid goes to bed. I mean, honestly, the family's pretty functional. And he's looking down. He's like, well, the kid already opened it. Uh, why don't I look at it? He takes it out. It looks like a phantasm ball that's themed for the holiday. It looks like a, a, a phantasm, a Pokemon themed phantasm ball. Yep. In between, you marry the two, and that's what that's you get. It. So he's looking at it, and he's like, God, this toy sucks, which is what I'm sure everybody's thinking. But then it starts rotating. Like, there's a split in the middle, and it starts rotating. Then on the top, a little head pops up, and it's Santa. It's like, oh, that's cute. It's like a fat Santa thing. It was pretty good. And then some arms pop out and some legs, and they're stumpy, and it's like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then they keep popping out, and they strangle him to death. Oh, no, no, no. You missed the best part. Is that oh. the, the Santa head turns and he makes like a angry grinning face. Oh my God. Then everything pops out. So that was all in camera, right? The head turns and the back is mean. Yeah. Santa. Mean Santa. The Nutcracker Massacre. They needed an edit there mm. to do that transition. This is where my rage comes from. 1991. They knew what they were doing. We can't get it right in fucking 2022. Silent rage. 
anyway, it's a little fantastical. And I was thinking the old log and I'm like, why do I give this a pass? And I'm like, I don't know. It's so well constructed. I was like, I'm just on board. I was very into it. I believe you left the room after that. Yeah. Well, um, the movie carries on with the similar theme. Uh, boys lost his dad. He's got PTSD, stops talking. And the mom is struggling with this. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to take you to the toy shop. You can pick out whatever you want. Except that the mom, now single, now a career woman, she's not really realizing what's going on. And the reason her boy isn't going back into his room isn't because he's terrified of being alone. It's because they put that fucking fat Santa toy in there. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to be killed by that toy. Exactly. Like, okay, that's the other thing. You two are new parents now. <laughs> if if your child was traumatized, if your child <laughs> if your child saw you get murdered by a toy, <laughs> is Oksana the first thing you're gonna do is take him to a toy store? Well, here's the thing. Uh he went mute. So he didn't tell them about oh. the toy. Yeah. And also what you missed, the toy strangles the dad, but that's not what killed him. Mm. he's flailing around he's knocking pictures off the fireplace and he grabs a poker on accident and it falls on the floor but it gets propped up some way and oh. then the dad falls and it pierces through his eye through the back of his skull that's very traumatic it looks a like a final destination death <laughs> I was about to say, that's very like low stakes rube goldberg situation. it's very rube goldberg i like it and um the cops are like hey what are you tripped and fell what do you want what do you want from me? Right. So then we just move on. And uh, she's like, let me take you to the toy shop. Now, here's here's what. Don't spoil this because I want to watch this. OK, well, this is immediate. OK, so the toy shop. Yeah, maybe you don't want to take your kid there when it's called pedos. <laughs> <laughs> <Let's>, what? <laughs> it's called pedos. Get out of here. And it's run by Joe. Oh, my God. It's run by Joe Petto. Oh, did they go to the pizza place after called <laughs> CP's? Come on down to CP's He's Pizza. Like, Joe, I got a problem. <laughs> my boy, he stopped talking. My dad, yeah, my husband's dead. He's like, well, bring him down to Petto's. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> also, um, you know Joe Petto? You know who it's played by? Jeffrey Epstein. Mickey Rooney. Get out of here. It was one of his late career films, and he's looking liver spot. He's looking round, and uh, he's fantastic, dude. Mickey Rooney? It's Mickey Rooney. Damn. It's the Mickey Rooney. And again, I, half this audience is like, oh, that's crazy, and or do you know? The other half is like, who the fuck is Mickey Rooney? Um, I asked my Shame mom. Shame on them. I asked my mom, hey, how would you best describe uh, Mickey Rooney to people who didn't know him? And she's like, oh, he's the one that was saying all the songs with Judy Garland. So I'm sure that helped y'all. <laughs> so Joe Petto, by the way, uh, from what I understand, Mickey Rooney crushed pussy. Oh, I'm sure. Just letting you know. Super popular, handsome dude in the early Tiny day. man. Uh, that's not the Mickey Rooney we get here. Decent dong. Big hog. Um, <laughs> say again, Randy. Big hog. You know, I, I don't think it was an Uncle Milty size uh, hog, but uh, sure. he got around. The hog's so huge, you started filming movies, dude. <laughs> um, okay, well, fuck. If if I'm not going to spoil this one, you know, it's it's honestly, it's a ride. I think you're going to know where it's going because uh, Joe Petto has a son. Do you want to guess what his name is? I don't know. His name is Pino. Pino Petto? <laughs> okay, see, I think you're what? getting you're getting you're missing the very obvious thing right in front of you. Pinocchio. Yeah. 
So, I mean, Joe, Joe Petto. See, here's the thing. They thought they were Joe Petto. Yeah. Get the fucking toy. Okay. Spoil this. Fuck this movie. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I, Geppetto. Oh, my on, God. Can I bring you back in? I think I could bring you back in. <laughs> so, there's a, there's a murder. I never left. I'm here. There's a murder in the house, right? And uh, the mom's struggling. Well, I failed to mention that there's also a dude, a handsome looking stalker, has been driving by keeping an eye on the house. Oh, boy. What's his deal? We don't know. Well, when Joe Petto's in there trying to force upon uh, the boy who was traumatized by a toy, many toys that are boring. There's a classic kind of boring, too. Want a plane? Oh, the propeller's spinning. Sure. And the kid is just not given anything. And she's like, I don't know if he's into that. Well, the boy did pick up on the handsome stalker coming into the shop. Of course he did. Nobody else did. Well, Pino comes in, and he's oh. like, hey, I got a toy. I think you're really going to like it. And it's called, like, oh, I watched this alone. It's called, like, creepy creepy crawly or something i don't know it's creepy a, clark it's a giant like millipede did you say my name or something oh my god that was a great impersonation oh shit you know <laughs> I can do it. So, so there's like this creepy looking millipede thing in a box the box is pink so i'm like they're gender confused here because back mm. in the day you know you would signify what gender should play with the toy this one i think they were going for both and i don't think anybody would be happy because it uh it ends up killing somebody later oh boy um, but the, the kid doesn't want any of it. And Joe's just like, okay, we'll come back. He's very nice. He's like, come back. I can help you out. And then he turns around. He's like, Pino, you're a fucking worse son. And he starts punking him out. And if you want to watch Mickey Rooney lay the smackdown that you thought the dad in the beginning of this movie was going to do, it's all here for you. But he didn't know the handsome stranger was in there and witnessed it all. This movie's bonkers. And it's got layers of genre shit going on. It's not boring. Boring is not even a word that you could like bring near this film. Um, and then I didn't even mention. That Are all of these available in the same place? Uh, this one's on Shutter. No, okay. we got YouTube, Tubi, and Shutter. So no, no, what I mean is for the franchise. They do have all five. Okay. Uh, I don't recommend doing all five because by the time you get here, you're going to be burnt out. You're tired. Also, if you haven't seen the first two, they're mean. They're mean horror movies. That's why I stopped watching the first one. I know. And this one is... Uh, because the whole thing was very sad. That's probably why my mom doesn't let me play holiday horror movies anymore. <laughs> but this one's a lot of fun. It's a little mean, but like you mentioned earlier, Taurus Trap, it's got that kind of vibe where the movie, there's enough reality there to get immersed. But when they start getting fringy, weird psychic shit going on, yeah. you're there. You're like, okay, well, I'm already here. Like, it's it's fine. I'm on board. Not sure when um, I watched Taurus Trap it's a great film it's great um but i did want to mention just in case you're like i don't know if i want to watch it the handsome stalker is uh moonlighting as a santa to make money of course and uh his co-worker is the one and only call back to the first movie i watched clint howard so oh. we got a double feature with clint howard how's he here. looking in 91 91 he's i think he's coming right off of the ice cream man movie when was the ice? no i thought that ice cream man was like Oh, is it early 90s? In my head, it was always like 90s. I think it's early 90s because it's got that like uh, uh, Apex vibe where it's like this movie was made for a VHS box at Blockbuster. You know what? 92 sounds right. I think it was, it, was what, the 80s? What year? 95. 95. Oh, yes. Yeah, so okay. So we're pre that. Um, clearly, he found that he had a calling <laughs> in um, The Toy Maker. Um, this fantastic film. I, I really loved it. And it made me. It made me kind of wish that Puppet Master was better. 
There is one thing that I really did not like. You've been wishing that your entire life. Dude, Puppet Master is bad. And the thing is, it's aimless, too. Where the toy maker is about toys being um, created to punish people due to a personal trauma. And I'm like, that's some shit that makes sense for a holiday movie. Like, giving a gift with ill intent. Sure. Also, three generations of kids, a lot of domestic uh, tribulation. But then we also got the very fucking the, one of the warning signs of a full moon movie is the music. And we got a little bit of that here. Mm. And I fucking hate that feeling of like the director ran out of money. So he bought a Casio keyboard and he said, I'll figure it out. Hell yeah. Right. That like doo, 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 he hired Wesley Willis to do the BGM. <laughs> Dude, that would be that would be profound. Batman success. Just for 30 <laughs> seconds. You know, I have him in regular rotation on my uh, my like list on yeah. Spotify. And I just, I love it whenever people get in the car and they're like, I don't understand. Like, is this ironic or are you, I'm like, no, I genuinely. But then someone, then once in a blue moon, someone who aligns the same way that you do will be like, what is this magical tune? <laughs> that did happen with you and the toadies. I do remember that. I was like, oh my the God. frogs. <laughs> You get everything you wrong. Know, I'm, I'm you in, have been calling Rod Sterling, Rod Sterling that is for right. the entire I two hours. I let you do it. <laughs> you know, oh, I love you. I have a uh, typhoon in my head and it's where my thoughts live. I'm, we're, hey, we're riding that yeah. same typhoon, baby. So again, if you're not willing to take the plunge into Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker, one, you're a fool. To do yourself a favor and just Google the poster. That's what I want. It's got all the fucking vibes of um, Stuart Gordon's film, which is that one I love. Oksana, that doll, doll, dolls, dolls. There we go. Yeah, I fucking love it. Although, again, the film does not reflect the poster. It's just a good poster. Really good poster. Um, yeah, that it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I can't believe I forgot two movies I watched. Although, if you want a little, here's a little bonus. Give it. Christmas treat. Yeah. If you want to have a ratchet holiday mm -hmm. and have some fucking fun. Here we go. If you're like, these movies are a little boring. I really need to turn it up. I really need to buy some buzz balls and have a fucking slamming party. <laughs> oh, boy. You're then scared. I recommend you get back on Tubi and you look up a movie called Gutter. That's <laughs> all I'm going to tell you. Okay. Me and uh, Terrell, we're two thirds into the movie. We've put it on very late at night. As a kind of like palate cleanser for the terrible films we've been watching. And uh, it kept us up too late. I believe last night we went to bed around three because of Gutta. It's good. All right, Randy, you getting the buzz balls or am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get some. Also, okay. it's 3 a.m. I must be lonely. 3 a.m. I must be lonely. Placenta. Balls to the floor. All right, we did it. Congratulations. Happy Merry Christmas to everyone. Remember when I made that joke three hours ago? <laughs> Yay. Um, all right. Uh, heads up. Randy is going to be leaving, so we're going to do a little bit of a banking episode situation. Uh, so we were, we're going to be the time-space continuum. Uh, we'll be a little wonky here, uh, but we're going to be recording um, next week's episode, which will be our New Year's episode. Uh, with our guy who we usually bring on for Christmas episodes. So we may have a little bit of a Christmas crossover. And I don't care if you don't like that because you can suck on my butt.
Uh, and he's great. Should I mention who it is or not nah. yet? I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Don't put a hex on him. No. Because also, uh, yeah, I don't want to <laughs> jinx it. Because if I jinx this one, then it's a, it's, it's all, all fucked. It's yeah. all bad. So uh, we'll see you next week. But uh, truly, hope everyone has a nice, happy, safe, lovely, warm holiday. Randy, take us home. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you've been listening this year or if this is your first episode, uh, sorry for a two and a half hour episode, but uh, yeah, tune in next week. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>